0: Uh, also, do you want us to introduce you as Deloriest or Graham? Like, how uh, pseudonym are right, you? Graham, can, Graham will do. We stick to first names, so I'm quite okay. happy with first so names. Do you know when I like, uh, f- feed like, your uh, internet alter ego of like, Deloriest?
1: Whatever makes you happy. it's, I mean, um. it's not as
0: <laughs> ominous as bronze age pervert, but I mean, it's kind of in the same ballpark. I would be diesel age pervert.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> the unge man, han
2: the arc of the moral
1: universe is long. but Lord to adjust. How dare you? How dare you?
0: Omar Bradley, the U.S. general from the Second World War, once made remark that amateurs talk strategy, whereas professionals talk logistics. And given our need in this podcast to understand the present day political issues of the day and uh, the inner workings of the regime, we thought it relevant to get someone who truly knows logistics onto the podcast. <laughs> so there we have it, the laurist or Graham, uh, most welcome to Manifest Podden.
2: Welcome, Graham.
0: Thank you. In terms of the logistics, (laughs) you are currently out driving now but your wi-fi is okay, no? No, no, no uh, I'm at home. I'm at home. I'm back to work tomorrow. I'm not sure how much I can tell you about logistics in a big picture kind of
1: way, because obviously I'm, I'm in amongst it, so I may not be able to see the wood for the trees. But yeah,
0: we can talk about that. It's a great quote. I know I know that quote, and it's a fantastic quote. Yes, it's also this kind of like Fox News anchor who would be like, "So you have the the view from the ground, the perspective from where you are." Boots, boots on the ground, yeah. Yeah, you as pundit yeah. way of saying, like, you, you're actually doing something. What would be the view
1: from the from the shop floor, as it were? It's very quiet at the moment. There's a lot of talk about the markets going up and down, you know, stock markets and currencies moving around and so on. From where I am, it looks like we're pretty much in a recession where, you know, things are very quiet at work. I, I, a while back, I had to, a couple of weeks ago, I had to take some time off of work. I found my truck hadn't moved for five days. Now that's mm. they don't do that. You know, it's a hundred grand piece of equipment. They're not going to let it sit around not making money for five days. But there was well, there wasn't work for it, and that's really unusual. A friend of mine in America has been laid off.
0: There's rumours mm. of other layoffs in different places, although that hasn't really happened. So, but wait, So when you say at work, you mean when you are on the road, you see less traffic, less other lorryists. There, no, there is less traffic. Yeah, there's less cars and trucks.
1: You know, you, you, you know what the traffic's like here. Johan is uh, Johan. Sorry, must get it right. Uh, well, <laughs> either works. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the, the traffic's been quite, quite not too bad. It's always can be bad in places in the UK, but you know, but the work's just less. We're doing less hours. Agency drivers are getting work in the US where they get paid by the mile. Their rates have gone down. So, and generally that's across the piece. So I've got a a friend in the Philippines who works for a freight forwarder and it's quiet over there as well. Mm -hmm. So the the view from logisticians and people working in logistics at the moment would appear to be the economy is not doing very well at all. Mm. But the stock market's up, so they're all happy about that. (laughs) And that's the sort of of
2: dichotomy and sort of picture of of the regime, if you will, we're dealing Mm -hmm. with here. Isn't it in a sense? Uh, I think on on in the West or or anywhere in the world, we have the people versus the stock market, or Main Street versus Wall Street, or whatever sort of an- analogy you want to 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 make it. But it very much seems like stock markets are are or or people at the top are doing better than basically any time ever.
1: Well, yeah. Well, that's been. True for a long time. I mean, you look mm. at things like things, things like luxury goods have been on a tear since the Great Financial Crisis. Mm. Well, you'd think it would be the opposite, it, you know, people wouldn't be selling or buying, you know, high-end cars and works of art and fine wines and houses in the south of France. You know, you think those would be in a, in the doldrums, um, but those have been tearing ahead. Whilst at the same time, people with more ordinary jobs are struggling and and have been struggling for some time. I mean, people people have noted that real wages haven't risen, risen since the 1970s um, for most people. So there's there's certainly something that's wrong. Let's put it rather mildly. You could say, well, that's an utter ripoff and we're basically mm. being robbed blind and we have been for some time with what's been going on. Um, I'm sure you're aware of something called the Cantalong effect. Which I'm not. No, 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 it, no. It, give, give uh, it a go. It's a it's Cantillon effect. It's, it's basically when the money supply is increased, those nearest the supply gain from it, which right. makes sense. You, know, you run a tap, it's the person with their mouth closest to the tap that's going to get most of the water. Um, right. So what's happened is they, they've had this mu- massive amount of money printing and it's gone to certain parts of the economy and not yeah. others. And usually those other parts are the actual productive parts, like farming, like manufacturing, like trucking. And these are all of the parts of the economy that are struggling as far as I can see. But then you've got things like financial services. It's quite extraordinary when you think that, you know, they got us into this massive calamity back in 2008 to, you know, into 2009. But but by a year later, they're back at the Lamborghini dealership buying two new cars,
2: yeah.
1: and it's this this whole socialism for the rich has been violently unfair and theft. Really, I think it was only in Iceland that they actually sent people to prison for yeah. fraud over the financial yeah. crisis, and they sent and I believe they sent people to prison for precisely the same things that were happening in New York and London. I, I might be wrong, but I think it's. Yeah. But
0: on Iceland, they believe in fairies, so that's maybe the secret uh, mixture here.
1: <laughs> I think like, in this part of England, we believe in fairies quite a lot as well. But um.
2: <laughs> I, I believe in anything; it's just as long as it puts. I mean, uh, bankers in prisons. I, I think <laughs> I'm, I'm quite proud of being Swedish over uh, one part of a particular part of our financial history in the in the early 90s, or, or I'd say mid 90s, when we had the sort of housing crisis that. You know, the, the world sort of handled or, or didn't handle rather in, in 2008 and nine, We, we basically nationalized the major banks who, who were at fault. And their, and their yeah. stockholders got wiped out, and they were taking over by by, um, and it, or, they were recapitalized by other people that weren't, you know, obviously nationalized in the, in a sort of Soviet sense, but but people who who sort of you know stood to to gain from from uh, just uh, doing it the way we've done it in 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 the UK and the EU and the US by just letting the taxpayer pay the bill for for all these. Uh, uh, stockholders of, of of giant banks yeah it's it's just it's just a shame and, and it's just gone on i mean it, it's sort of a personal thing for me actually because uh, and this is sort of telling baby or by background uh my, my mother worked in bank for for 30 years 35 years actually and she was basically running the the <laughs> they had they had the accounting for for or the accounts rather the, the which were pretty small but by swedish uh, standards but she handled lehman brothers by uh, in in, okay. in the accounts oh. in sweden and it was pretty funny to see because when this happened uh, and you're talking to her and she being like from a very uh, of a very swedish mindset and not very much you know of the of the sort of london or, or new york banker sort of background she was like it was really weird watching her dealing with the sort of the stuff that took place and she'd always say you know no no but you know uh there was still correct itself and you'll have regulations and, mm. and and myself being like this sort of you know student a libertarian back in the day i would say well i mean how how are how are they you can't regulate this away because it doesn't really seem possible. Or it hasn't been possible ever to to sort of you have to either break them down or or or, or 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 you know put some incentives in place to 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 make this work for the people. And and it's interesting because like this has been the view since that you know oh it's there's going to be a correction somewhere. Someone is going to do something, and it's very much the 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 thinking of the sort of old regime, if you will, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that this is self correcting that there is a system in place that don't worry about it guys uh somebody somewhere is 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 really managing this and it's not obviously yeah. i mean
1: well it, you could you could see it as not wanting to kill the parasite because that would also kill the host yeah that's how it strikes me which might be true but then you might need to ask the question well yeah you know, who's the host am i part of the host i don't think so so and is a host helping me i mean it, it does So I'm straining this analogy perhaps too much, but but it's not actually the host that I wanted. I didn't want the parasite or the host. And is it really is the kind of joy in doing anyone any good? Uh Maybe we should kill the host. Maybe it's going to die anyway. I I think that's the most likely thing. I think I think I'm. Can you be a (laughs) disasterist? I I think it's all going to go down in some way or other. It might it might degenerate into something like the old Soviet Union terribly autocratic and murderous
2: yeah yeah i'm I'm, okay. I'm i think maybe this is an interesting starting point i don't know i i want graham to sort of tell his story because i think it's fascinating uh, i mean uh, graham might not think so but, but but i really you know uh you were introduced yeah, your work to me and you said you know i i was just at this shadowy meeting in in in, in london <laughs> and i met this guy graham writes a blog called the Laureist and i was like the lobbyist yeah. really are we talking to these people right now no 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 the Lorryist, and i was like yeah okay and he drives the lorry oh right and, and he told the story and i thought well brilliant and i read your stuff and it's it's fascinating but the, the sort of comes to the, the the heart of the matter really is you being a Briton, or this yeah. sto- sort of in a sense started in the uk with but the sort of thatcher politics maybe or, or do you think that's fair because, f- from a sense, the finan- finan- financialization of, of, of sort of the economies of, of the West sort of started with the whole, in, in my view anyway, in the sort of 80s with, with Reagan and Thatcher. And maybe I think there's something there maybe worth taking up. Or, or do you agree?
0: But, but we just you, clarify when, you... Kala, when Kala says, Laurius, to all our non manual working listeners, Graham drives a truck.
2: Yes, that's a, that's a, a good clarification because yeah. most of the people <laughs> listening probably won't know that. Yeah,
0: could you do
1: you think it perhaps actually goes back to when the US came off of the gold standard? there?
2: see, I, so I grew up sort of you know in, in the right wing sort of libertarian circles, and I've a lot of friends spend a lot of time talking about gold. So, uh, for one, I'm sort of a bit allergic, allergic to that sort of um, explanation but but yes in a sense yes but the problem is this so since sort of I mean a lot of people want to blame credit for uh, I mean the just general term credit and or the the philosophical concept, wait, 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 Again, I guess.
0: Uh, kind of this is the analytical explanation but I'm thinking like we could actually just start with, like basically how Graham how you got red pilled or who who is Graham I go back something we talked about when Yeah, we like we that. sat at the cafeteria in like the south what is it like east end or Scottish. yeah in the east end yeah 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 and you were like you you made some remark like gosh this place has changed since i was here <laughs> um yeah so i'm from london not from that exact part of
1: london but i am from south east london so i'm a cockney so i'm a proper londoner um, although my parents are from elsewhere i'll skip most of my childhood if you don't mind how i came to be red pilled well i think the process is still it is still in progress but the it was long the, the, this is where it connects with the honduras thing can i talk about that no go ahead it. uh, so it's 2012 and i just been now i didn't go to university as a young person but I was accepted to go to Coventry to study logistics. Is this after you were in uh, in Iraq? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that was I was in Iraq, two thousand and three, two thousand and five. Oh, yeah. I'm a I was a Territorial Army soldier right. um, yeah? before all of this. But I mean, that's I mean, it's all it's all educational. But we could we could I won't need to go into that. I was in I, yeah. I was I served in Basra for two six month tours. Uh, one in 2003, one in 2005 as uh, infantry soldier, ordinary grunt, doing guard duty and patrols and nothing really, you know, dramatic. But the the you could say, yeah, there, there were parts of that. There were parts of my childhood, that, you know, my upbringing, my dad was a church leader and growing up in the inner city when your dad is a church leader in the East end of London is interesting, should we say? Uh, <laughs> so perhaps I was, I was starting off on a very, on a, in a different place from other people when I came by all of this stuff. So it was 2012. And like I said, I'd been accepted to university and I had great hopes of what might happen. And I was doing a Google search because I'm quite adventurous. I've always been, you know, want to get out and explore. And I, I, thought if, if i get this degree what can i then do maybe i could yeah singapore is a logistics hub maybe i could work in singapore I, I don't know. and it was just a thought it's just one of these random little things a thought comes in your head and i'll i'll punch that into google see what comes up and another one was hong kong so maybe i'd get a job in hong kong I had, I had an uncle who worked in hong kong and um so i punched him jobs in hong in, in hong kong and this article came up from The Economist called Hong Kong in Honduras. And it's like, what, what the hell is that? But my ex-wife is from Brazil, um, so I knew a little bit Latin America. And it was like, what is this about? And at the time, I had great trust in The, the, the Economist. So I read this, and it was about the Charter Cities idea. And I don't know if yeah. you know about this, but this is yeah. a... a Basically, it was it was basically just that. It was to try and replicate something like Singapore or Dubai or, or Hong Kong in Honduras. And there was these great plans to do it. And uh, in my naivety, I looked at that and thought, what a fantastic idea. I want to be part of that. That's that's gonna be that's gonna be something that because I've been to Brazil and I'd seen the corruption and bureaucracy in in that place, and you know, presumed correctly actually, as it turned out, that Honduras was somewhat similar and thought, well, okay, let's let's um let's try and get involved. It's very I mean I'll look back, it's almost like I don't want to admit it. I'm quite shy about it because it's like, well you know, I, I was working, I was working, I, my daughter had just been born. Um I had things to do. I shouldn't have been going off on wild goose chases and, and getting involved in these things. But I just yeah let's 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 try and get involved in that. Let's let's see what see if I can. So with great uh, boldness or stupidity, I'm not sure, I wrote to the guy who did a TED talk. There's a guy called Paul Reimer, who's now, I think, chief economist for, want to say, the World Bank, or it might be the IMF, I've forgotten. But anyway, he did this TED talk about these charter cities and you can find it still online from 2009 and I listened to that and thought that's great that's fantastic let's do that and I wrote to his office (laughs) in New York and said hey I'm a truck driver from the UK I want to be part of your projects I hear some ideas which were based. part of the thing about charter cities was it would it's almost like you'd you'd take components of another another regime you know the legal regime. You, you take parts of it and, and plug it into this new city. So the city would have a charter, and you basically have a business plan which says, "Oh, we're going to use common law of the UK." Hmm. And in in, in I, I think about, oh, "Well, what, what can I do there?" Well, I say, "Okay, so road traffic law in the EU is is." has worked fairly good and so i agree with myself now but that's what i wrote about i said oh what, what, what about when do you do this thing because again i was naive enough to believe they would actually do it and of course they didn't really Yeah, you know, when you do this thing I, I think this is the legal system you should use in your plug and play you know legal framework for trucks and, and, and very politely one of his minions wrote back to me He's probably quite a hard guy, actually. I shouldn't say that. But well, this guy wrote back to me and said, oh, you're a bit too early then. You're a bit too early for that stage, of, stage of, you know, level of detail. But thank you very much for writing to us. And then that kind of went dead. And then I thought, well, there's other people involved. And in the, the, in the Economist article, there were other people involved. So there was Patrick Friedman, who is the grandson of Milton Friedman, and... Uh, there's another guy called Michael Strong, and they had backing from Silicon Valley people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, oh, well, I'll write to these guys as well. But I didn't – but I couldn't find any contact details. I couldn't – you know, I couldn't – you've got to remember this was – I mean, 10 years ago isn't a very long time, but the, you couldn't really quite get in touch with people the way you can now. We didn't have mm-hmm. social media really. Not, not in this, quite the same way. It was there, but, it, you know, it wasn't as developed where you could get in touch with anyone in the world it seems um, now. So I thought, well, how can I kind of flush people out who are also interested in this? And I thought, well, why, why don't I write a blog? I write a, I open a blogspot account and write a blog and just talk about this Charter Cities idea or Free Cities, as the, these other guys were calling it, and, and started to do this. And this worked. And, this, and a guy who was a law professor from Southern California got in touch with me and said, oh, um, you know, have you got any ideas about this, this and this? He wanted to know about an airport. I know very little about airports. I did a few flying lessons when I was in my twenties and that was it. But but I gamely opened up Google Maps and you know, <laughs> hey, there's a good place for an airport. And he must have known as little as I did because he thought it was great. Um so and then so we developed that kind of talk and he and I do another blog post again where I talk about road traffic regulation. Now, now I discover that these guys are libertarians. Okay. I didn't know what libertarian was. Okay. I didn't know what what I didn't. It's some American thing. I didn't I didn't know it. And my political view, I would call myself at the time I would have called myself middle of the road, by which I meant I just believe the BBC. Um, so I really didn't think much about it. I was busy. I had a job. I had go to study. I was, you know, I was going to, I had a kid, um, married, um, church, uh, lots of things going on in my life. I, you know, I didn't have time for this. Um, but uh, these guys were libertarians. And I was like, I want to get involved with this thing. So therefore, let's learn about that. So I didn't, there wasn't, it wasn't because I was seeking some ideological path to, to go on. Or, or that I was on some ideological path and then found that one and it took me away, it was simply because I wanted to get involved in that project. Mm. So I wanted to learn what they were do- talking about. So I, I read books by Isabel Patterson, um, some papers by Friedrich Hayek, David Friedman, who was Patrick Friedman's father, Milton Friedman's son, and, and thought, okay, well, I, 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 this makes enough sense to me. Um, <laughs> that's... That's I can I can get with that I can I can live with it, um, and um, I wrote another blog post again which was about road safety, kind of putting myself in the libertarian shoes and how would I do it? And I can't remember what I wrote for the life of me and I've deleted it now, which I shouldn't have done. Um, and but they loved it, they loved it, and then they, they, the guys invited me onto this Facebook group, and then through the Facebook group they amit- invited me to a meeting in Guatemala.
0: Of course, why why do all these people meet in some Latin American country?
1: Is it always
0: like, uh, I was about to say, does it start or does it end in Latin America? What's what's what Uh, sorry? You mean, I don't know, like political projects that are libertarian leaning.
1: I think it's mainly because it's an American's backyard. Yeah, I think it's as simple as that. I don't think it's more complicated than that. Paul Roma had gone all over Africa from 2009 to when I saw the thing you Know until Honduras had taken an interest because they had taken an interest in him initially and his mm. idea. The libertarian guys kind of changed it, and then it got into the Honduran political system and kind of changed again. Um, but again, I'm maybe I'm kind of getting ahead of myself again, but the so and this was as simple as that. So I went to this, this I had to crowdfund a ticket, <laughs> I succeeded in crowdfund. I didn't have enough money to get a ticket to Guatemala. Wow. Mm. <laughs> And somehow people, people had got into their head that I was I, I, I owned my own business and I was reasonably well off. I don't know why nobody thought to ask, why is that guy needed the crowdfund a the ticket then? But never mind. Um, so they, they invited me there, didn't speak any Spanish, <laughs> um, met a guy there who was in Honduras, had a business in Honduras, was involved or wanted to be involved in this. Or was tangentially connected, I think, is the best way of putting it. Um, very nice guy, Italian guy. Um, and he said, Hey, I, 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 I can find a job with it for you, um, in my organization, and you can move to Honduras. And I was like, Yeah, okay, <laughs> this had gone on for a, now a year or so before I got to that stage, and I was all I was then getting ready for my second year at university, and the university was kind of i didn't really know what to expect i you know like i say i, I left school at 15. <laughs> I, didn't, I hadn't studied much and it was i was kind of disenchanted by university anyway it just didn't seem very powerful so not, this is not what i was doing um who knows it might have been the right thing to do but i left that and uh, before i racked up too much debt um and and went off to honduras to have two years of madness <laughs> well, I won't go into everything that happened, but it was quite interesting, I must say. And it was a it was a kind of crash course in where this kind of charter city, free city idea meets reality. I think that's the mm. best way of describing it. It's kind of mm. having a very close look. A very close look.
0: I met some very important, very interesting people. Um, well, what was your takeaway from those uh, those two years in Honduras? And uh, there were many uh, takeaways. How long you got? <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> takeaway was, oh my God, I've got in over my head. Um, it was. I think my main takeaway from all of the, from everything I learned in that, and everything I learned subsequently, is yes, we might see st- city-states, we might see Yavin's idea of patchwork. I think we probably will. Hopefully, we will. But it might happen more organically. I didn't. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, the The idea of the modern state, you know, started in 1648, and. I think it's going to take quite something to dislodge that as a power element, as the main power element in the world. That's how the world mm-hmm. works now. That's a mm-hmm. you know we're all fish swimming in that water, and it's it's but it's the it's it's death throes have started.
0: Uh, just just to interject here in a way I understand like in in the seventies like in Sweden there were numerous young idealistic political radicals. Uh, I'm not sure if you would be f- fine with that labeling, but at least from Sweden, political radicals go into Latin America, first as part of like, you know, aid or development projects, but very quickly drifting over into uh, outright political, uh, military organization as part of coups going through these countries. Uh, obviously, now I'm referring to like leftist organization, <laughs> they're not joining the contras. Uh, yeah. uh, so I mean, okay. this, this is a polit. this is something that um, the parents in, in um, like m- mine and Kalle's parents generation, this is quite vivid. And and my own sense is in a way, like there's a romantic shimmer on this uh, in a way, but my view is more like f- say from that Marxist or nominally Marxist at least background. But what I'm uh, I'm also wanting a way to have Kalle interject here as someone who's been through like the neoliberal or libertarian uh in a way like I me mean, obviously coming in on the tail end of this but you see this project going through the early 2010s and then, sort of, like the rubber hits the road. I'm mindful of using yeah. the, the the trucker uh, <laughs> lingo here. There's so many uh, of them. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, fellow truckers! Um, yeah. <laughs> but but, do you want to interject here, or am I uh, trying to plaster the libertarian creed? No, no, no. not
2: a, not at all. I, I mean, I'm, I'm very struck by by the similarities. In a sense, uh, Graham uh, was was more wise, not knowing what libertarianism was. I was very much steeped in it being sort of a a want-to-be I mean very pretentious sort of young student, uh, want-to-be intellectual. I i I'd also read um Friedman and, and and the Austrian school and 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 indeed uh subscribe to The Economist magazine which sort of uh, was then uh the orthodoxy of 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 as they say as they would say themselves extreme centrist views <laughs> I think that was the official position of the paper being uh, centrist extremists and because they, they supported various parties in various countries blah blah, blah. but uh, I'm I'm very struck I, I think by Graham in uh, relation to Honduras, in the sense that, you know, this was sort of the death truth of the sort of libertarian, I would say, maybe naive project in a sense. Because, uh, and, and the analogies to, I mean, the US and, 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 and uh, I guess NATO Western uh, projects in Afghanistan and Iraq are, are there as well. Because in, in all these places, all the three places you have basically ideology trying to impose ideology on reality and you ha- you have places with a history with languages with culture that sort of will not conform to western standards of what they should be uh, in the sense that you can't just build a constitutional republic in Iraq or, or you know just feminists introduced feminist studies into Afghanistan and 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 you these can places try we, clearly. yeah you can and <laughs> you we have i, I mean <laughs> we've turned a lot of money at it to thing. it yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of, uh, I mean, I, I know people who've been in the Swedish army and, and, and been to uh, Afghanistan my, myself. So, I mean, which is interesting, fascinated in a sense, right? Because uh, we're supposed to be, be the most neutral country, uh, I guess was, now we're uh, soon to be in the NATO as well. But but this sort of, to me, stinks of ideology. It's very much an ide- ideological project that sort of today is unthinkable, I would dare to say. That, you know, this sort of the time for this sort of hubristic thinking has hopefully, I'd say, passed. But I mean, since it was such a crossing failure, it's, it's also paved the way for a new sort of thinking that's explicit in, I mean, the Brexit movement and Trumpism in the, in, in the US. But but also I think why why me and you and are doing this podcast because it sort of re, reconfigured not only the world but the way we think about it in in that sense. So I'm very fascinated about it because I I did read about the Honduran project myself and and okay. thought it sort of a um Randian or 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 you know very libertarian sort of uh, utopia, right? You could make a Singapore or in in Honduras. I mean, tra- tra- tragically, uh, reality didn't live up to to our ex- expectations. Well,
1: there there has there is a project. There is something going on on the island of Rantan, which is beautiful by all accounts. I haven't been there myself, but it's on the, the in the Caribbean, um, a Honduran island, and it's kind of a real estate project on steroids. They'll probably be very upset with me for saying that, but that's that's how it looks. It, certainly not this vision of a brand new Singapore on the banks of the Caribbean. Banks of the Caribbean shores. Sorry. Um, mm. You know, not, it's all part of the mix. It's all part of what's going on. And I think there are, I think there have been things going on increasingly, and I think they will, they will grow more and more. And again, I'm, I mean, things that are moving to take place in the Westphalian state because it's, um, I'm a truck driver, so I'm very, I'm very cautious about talking to you guys because, uh, you know, being historians and so on, I, I imagine you know a fair book more than I do, you should do. Um, but the I read a book, um, I listened to it again, and when well, I, I say I read, I meant I listened to an audio book. That's how I consume. No, I th-
0: sorry, but I think this is actually what makes this interesting because you're, I mean, there's one hand like sure we have the ideas, the content you mentioned like Curtis Yarvin earlier. But I think it's equally relevant here to get a sense of how this material comes your way, because when you, as you say, your readership or your reading, sorry, your reading of them, is in audio version while yeah. trucking. Yes, I was talking
1: with it, talking about this with a friend today on on Twitter, um, and he's another driver, and he's also quite re- well read. He, I think, he should one of these guys who should put himself out a bit more and get out in public a little bit more, but um, he doesn't want to. But
0: is this diesel age pervert referring to? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, this is another guy. He's he's
1: anonymous online, so I won't say. I don't think he wants a a, a wide following. But uh, but anyway, we, we we were talking about this, and he was saying, well, in some ways, you're almost meditating when you're driving. You're driving long distance.
0: Mm.
1: You know, I, I, you, I did European work and you'd have four days to get down to Spain. Well, that's a lot of time on your own. And most all of that time, i would be listening to something.
0: You're doing the, the Trucker Vipassana. Sorry, I... So what that is again. that?
1: no yeah. this is you just
0: are... like all what the, the berliner veg- uh, vegans going like oh i'm in spain on this uh, <laughs> trek where i'm your, i'll be silent your, your
2: references are are slightly above our, our pay grade i think uh, <laughs> we're not uh, berlin vegans none of us so, so
0: this <laughs> is the the <laughs> trucker avocado toast uh, podcast no Truck no. avocado toast. I've tra- the avocados go in the bag, and there's no avocados go on your toast. That's how I order them. No, don't you know? Yeah, yeah, clearly, they yeah. haven't been to a British truck stop, but anyway, um,
1: <laughs> that's probably a California a truck stop. There, there is one right or two there. truck stops where you could have an avocado. On <laughs> Let toast, me tell but, um, you about
0: the reality I see on the roads when I go on my cargo bike, dear lorist. I see. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Which road roads are these again? <laughs> Driving um, through Europe on your the the own. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the roads of Cambridge.
1: Cambridge is a little different from anyway. <laughs> but you're in a you're in a kind of I wouldn't say mesmerised because that would be a threat to road safety. But you're in a <laughs> um, you're in a state where you're on your own. You've got the road coming at you, and it's a very different information gathering environment to sitting at a desk reading a book. Yeah, and I've it probably adds something to it. Some, certainly, in some titles, it adds something to it. Um, hmm. So I've listened to Cervantes driving across Spain. Hmm. That that's, adds that's a whole new element to it. Yeah, that's that's, yeah. Um,
2: that's not a short book either. That's
1: not a short book. Well, and that's another thing is you have an immense amount of time. This is part hmm. of the reason I'm back trucking. And I, I, we talked about this, Johan, um, that for different reasons – I was a marriage collapse and I, I came back to the UK and I needed to get work again. And mm. it's, uh, I've been out of the country for a few years and it was like, well, well, what should I do? And I just couldn't, I couldn't get the same level of pay um, as I could as a driver. So, I thought, well, let's go back driving, but let's use it. Let's use mm. the time. If I'm going to get mm. back on my feet and get going again and having this experience in Honduras and having this experience with these very interesting people, it became quite clear that I didn't know so much. And I still don't know so much, but I really didn't know so much. And so if I was going to be back driving, I would spend the next few years learning. So this has been quite deliberate. Mm-hmm. And the, the type of work I've been doing has been d- deliberately doing it, if, if I can, in such a way that I have listening time. Mm-hmm. Who can say-
0: Well, in a way, I mean, you are paraphrasing Socrates here—that being the wisest man is the one who knows how little you know. No, like, like Socrates is is deemed wise by the Oracle in Delphi because he's he's the the man who knows how little he knows. And in a way, I mean, it sounds like after Honduras, you can't really put the genie back into the bottle. So I mean, oh, sorry, I mean, I mean, I might be overinterpreting this, but like, it sounds like something had changed with regards to like, uh, I don't know.
1: I digested the red pill. <laughs> yeah i changed yeah i i, I did it in the most difficult way possible some people read a blog i went to the murder capital of the world it's, you know <laughs> um, so, um and then i did and then for all of this i'm learning about libertarians when i'm there and i keep seeing this menstruious mold bug and i start reading it and as most people are i'm just horrified when i can understand it most of it i can't understand um and then when i do understand it it's like oh my god what on earth is this guy saying because
0: yeah he was on a, a ma- the Manifest podcast uh, some time ago, and accused me and call of being Himmlerites. He, he accused us of being Himmlerites. Himmlerites. Yeah. Yeah. Explain. Yeah. Himmler was a no, no, no. Nazi, no, so. no sorry. Yes. We have to do yes. no. Let, let's do uh, esoteric Nazis another podcast. So, oh, okay. Yes. So.
2: <laughs> yeah. You, you want high flying references coming back, biting him in the ass once again. What can I say? <laughs> No, but uh, you, you you did start to talk about something you have listened to. I think while driving, I, f- I felt there was a book somewhere. Uh,
1: oh yes, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I, I interrupted myself. Um, yeah, I was listening to the Sovereign Individual uh, this ah. last week. Um, you're obviously aware of that. So obviously, it's a fairly old book, and yeah, I, you could say, well, they were wrong about this. Um, Various different things, but then predictions are impossible. And I I'm with the general premise I totally agree I think the, this this system of, of states will fail I think they will they will maybe they if the best solution is they kind of fade away um so there would be replaced by new power structures there was a quote I put on Twitter and I can't remember it offhand but it was it was where the writers of the of that book were saying that in in before, Westphalia before the modern nation state, there were all kinds of different sovereignties. There was a Catholic Church, you know. There was Islam. There was there was um, there were local principalities. There were the nobles. There were the, there were there were the interlocking and and overlapping sovereignties in the way that we don't have now. Mm. Um, Guilds, actually, this is something I've taken a bit of interest in recently. I think guilds are fascinating. Yeah, we're definitely going to get to... back
0: to guilds. Uh, yeah, no
1: one seems to talk about them, which is um, which is interesting in itself. But um, anyway, so I, I agree with that premise. And yeah, Johan, you you, you probably know the A fourteen near Cambridge. I, I don't know you mean you the remember. road. Yeah, the road. Yes, the big main yeah. road. What yeah. about it? And they they changed it a few a couple of years back. I don't know how long you've been there, but the modern road. They went for a whole exercise of replacing it. There's a whole section up to Alconbury that they replaced. Most of the old road is still there, and you can drive over an overpass and you look down and you go, "Oh, that was the old road." And it was chaotic and it was terrible and it was always jammed up with traffic. I almost blocked it myself and mm. I didn't blow out on my. Tr- and you look down and you think, "Oh, I remember that. I remember when we had to use that." Mm. And I think that's what it's going to be like. I think mm. that's what that. If it goes well, that's what it's going to be like. Then mm-hmm. we're going to look back and say, well, that was the United Kingdom, that was the United States, or that was Sweden. And I, I think some countries, lots of countries will retain solid sovereignty. Japan, I think, almost certainly will.
0: I mean, we can definitely go into the, both your your the verdict of what you see coming yeah. and, and also the problem. But I, I was wondering if basically, <clears throat> and your personal bit here, if you want to speak something to, because I'm thinking of your post on rethinking ethnos, where you talked about exodus. Oh, yeah. so, like, essentially, how do you eventually end up embarking on some sort of exodus from what is now recognized as the previous order or the regime towards something? Like, do you understand what I'm, because what I'm, I'm trying to compress what you wrote there. Okay, so I I wasn't actually writing in terms of it, of, having,
1: of, of an exodus in that sense. I was more drawing that, it was the people of Israel. And so if you had the people of England on an exodus, who would that be? Mm. Mm. And then you look at our multicultural society and you go, ah, all oh, mm. right. Okay. Because if, if you were to, right, oh, obviously, you know, logistically impossible. But if you were to say everybody in England now is part of this band that's going to be landless and making our way through the wilderness, mm. you're going to go, well, these guys and these guys and these guys and these guys are not the same. They so happen to be born here, they arrived here on a boat, they arrived here, you know, their parents arrived here. And then you start you know, obviously this is dangerous ground where people start thinking about hey, you're racist. But to deny ethnos is crazy. We've had it, we've we've always had it. People have always been in tribes. Tribes are wonderful. Tribes are fantastic. Everybody goes, oh, tribalism is so bad. Tribalism on Twitter is so terrible. Well, one, I don't think that's really tribalism. That's just fighting. <laughs> that's war of all against all. That's <laughs> that's not tribalism. No. Um, because tribes help each other out. They do things. They live together. They, they're they part of a group that helps each other. Yeah, and each you're other. right.
0: That's not the main impression from Twitter, that people help each <laughs> other. No. No.
1: <So laughs> people go, oh, American politics is so tribal. No, it's not you know re- you republicans scattered across the country aren't helping each other and democrats they just they're just arguing about something mm. and they might come together but real tribes tribes in the past and tribes in other parts of the world you go to africa or or honduras and you will see tribes and they that's that's a good that's a good thing that they're in a tribe mm. No, they get a lot from being in a tribe. Tribes are great. Tribes are gifts from God. That's what I was trying to say. Um, mm. Now, th- then it becomes difficult because I'm not saying there should be pogroms and genocides and this kind of thing. And we are in this situation. We can't, we can't pretend that we're not living in the UK in 2023. We can't flip yeah. the switch and go back to 1955. And frankly, it's sometimes the right... Comp- they they almost had this mythical image of some parts of the past. One thing I yeah. find, quite, find quite interesting about Bronze Age Pur though is he actually, it's a mythical image he goes for. He's not yeah, saying no, but... we should be like that. He should we be, we should be like that image. That's what. That's my takeaway from it. I think that's very interesting. But I'm not. But then again, the people who are saying no, we want to retain our English communities, our Wessex communities, our East Anglian communities, our Kentish and Northern England communities, or Scottish or Irish, they, they've got a point. There's something to that. If I if I go to another country, if I'm in Kenya and I hear an English accent, I'm going to go and talk to that guy. Hmm. We've got something in common. It is something real. The Lauriest, I presume. The lorry yes. chapters. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be really lost if I end up lorrying in Africa. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. But
2: that is, but that is sort of an impediment to to our situations because we are, in this, in a sense, we're stuck in modernity. Uh, I mean, yeah. we we keep. I mean, uh, certain parts of the the conservative movement can sort of be harking back to Enoch Powell and sort of the rivers of blood and and, and that sort of rhetoric. Uh, in part, I mean, it's it's it's. I mean, it's just nostalgia, and it's cope, and it's and it and it's just, uh, in a sense, also uh, futility and aesthetics, and and it's it's only appealing to, to I, I guess a very small crowd, but also it's it's easy, and it's 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 sort of what it is to, when there's nothing really to look forward to, you sort of harken back, and that and that's yes, a problem. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 um, yeah.
2: No, no no I'm I'm just I'm just uh, I mean uh, t- sort of reacting to what Graham is saying and I, 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 mm-hmm. because I think a, a lot of Europeans feel the same way in a sense right We, we're we sort of uh, many of us uh, are sort of were brought up in the sense in in, in a state uh, or sort of in a system where we sort of knew or could sort of predict where where, where things were going and only in a sense I mean politics was easier uh because there was there were sort of a consensus around most things i mean especially in sweden we 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 probably world champions of, of i mean were world champions of of, of consensus but I, I think one of the problems is also you know um sort of be, being being uh, we've always been told you know it's only going to go uh, if we have this sort of progressive view of history that you know Whatever happens, I mean, will be ups and downs. But the trajectory will be up. It seems to be up, uh, but only for a certain, I mean, subset of 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 the nation. When you then look to, I mean, everything from wages to food prices to to, I mean, to the promises that sort of were implicit in the political messaging from from the seventies yeah. and up onwards. Sort of those promises haven't been delivered on, and sort of the regime has not changed but the sort of messaging has morphed and the, the the promises sort of have been replaced with i dare say threats
0: yeah. on that note can i i actually want i think this is a good segue from Carlos's point about like how the regime responds to say cracks and how they try to like keep things together but by doing so aggravate some of the problems for example by threats and i'm thinking this speaks to one of the points that you identified here that is like demeritocracy, And you mentioned earlier, like how from, from the driver's seat, in a way, you can see the economy in terms of how few other trucks are out on the road or how, uh, how traffic uh, slows down in a way less, but another aspect here of like, I'm thinking with regards to, to tribes or how, how the current political I'm not sure if to call it elite, but like the graduate class or cognitive elites, try to deal with say uh, tensions with regards to say migration. That as as a lore driver you would be fined for uh, for yeah. um, not making sh- uh, like not ensuring that any migrants sneak onto your truck essentially. Yeah. So you would. F- so if you want to speak to that point, because I found it uh, quite telling that. So if you if if a migrant is found on your truck, you're fined say ten thousand pounds, as of this year. Okay,
1: so what it is is yes, the the fine can be ten thousand pounds. What happens, and this has happened, I didn't mention it in the article, um, but what has happened, because I do know drivers who have been caught with people in the bank, mm-hmm. and they they get a lawyer, they go to court, the, the business gets
0: a lawyer. And we're goes not to talking court. about smugglers now. We're talking about people who have been negligent with regards to when someone can sneak onto it.
1: Okay, so here's a measure of it. So yeah, I go into the I won't go into the technical details, but we had to seal up the trucks. But they they get incredibly invent- uh, inventive about how they smuggled themselves on. So this, this one driver, he uh, was aiming to get to Dunkirk Port, where you can park on the port securely. Uh, we got EU driver's hours rules, of course. He got stuck in very heavy traffic on the autoroute coming up to Dunkirk, and he had to stop for his legal hours, and he found the quiet road, uh, on an industrial estate near Dunkirk and felt it was safe. And he woke up in the morning, he checked his load, but he didn't climb up and look along the load. And what had happened is migrants had, clearly people outside working as a team, they had cut the cords and the seals, they had glued them back together and then closed the doors. The wow. migrants had climbed up and on there were voids in the load so there were a, spa- there was a couple of spaces where there wasn't part of a load um, and they had put themselves in that space and he hadn't climbed up on the back. To- if he had climbed in, which is what I was... But then the guy was in his 60s as well. He- so mm-hmm. he didn't... You might say he didn't check thoroughly enough, but he did check. There were, I think, eight on board and this was when the fine was £2,000 maximum. Um, he was... I don't think they got to the UK. I think the border force caught them in Calais or Dunkirk, rather, because they the, the, the search dogs go around the trucks. In the British search dogs go around the trucks in the French ports. But he was he was caught with the one on his truck. He was they were, gave him a fine of two thousand pounds per migrant, sixteen thousand pounds. Okay, he had to get a lawyer and the company paid for his lawyer because they were about to be fined as well, juiced the fine. Um, so but it was still several hundred pounds which he had to pay as a working man. It's not a small amount of money. And and it's an incredible amount of hassle paying for the lawyer mm. um, for everybody involved for something that he didn't do. And th- this was my point. In the law, it says the responsible person can get a fine of now up to £10,000. But then... If I go and hide in your car, okay, you get in your car and drive away. Who is the responsible person yeah. in that scenario? Yeah. It's me. Mm. You know, and, and the whole—I I found it outrageous. Like I can't understand. This was some time ago as well because the, 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 these fines have been in place. Well, oh, I can't—I don't remember how exactly how long, but for a while, a few years. It. Directly shift responsibility on to the guy who's actually a victim of something. He's a victim of hijacking
0: in a way. Apart from like getting the fine, like doing all the routines that you describe to avoid or yeah. ensuring that you do not have any migrants on in your truck, then would require essentially driving non stop and like not getting out for hours and hours and hours.
1: All of these, all of these kind of tricks that you, yeah. So, this was actually my point.
0: So can yes. I ask you, Graham? Like, have you ever in your work done come across people who tried to hide in your truck? Yeah, yeah, a few times. Yeah.
1: So these these weren't people who broke the seals and got into the trailer. They got onto the outside. Mm. Incredibly dangerous what they do. I've seen what well, it did. Uh, there's uh, this happened. This almost always happens in Calais or nearby Calais. It can also happen in uh, the town of Wiestrom, which is near Caen. There's a, the port of Caen. You have to drive through a town, and that's that's actually very risky because it's through the town, so you have to stop at traffic lights. With Calais and Dunkirk, it's straight off the auto route into the port. So, in theory, it should be okay. But what happens, there's these several big truck stops near Calais, fuel pumps and workshops and big trucking area, basically. And, of course, the migrants know there's lots of trucks. What they would do is... They will jump on between the cab and the unit, which is incredibly dangerous. If they slip, they go under the back wheels, they die. I've, I've seen that as well. Okay, um, Bulgarian truck. I didn't see it happen, but a Bulgarian truck would run over some young Somali guy. So there's fatalities. There's been drivers killed as well when migrants have tried to break onto trucks and the driver confronts them and they, the driver gets stabbed. That's, that's happened as well. What happened to me, and it's happened to everybody at some point, is when you leave these big truck stops, which are very secure, they've got razor wire, guard dogs, cameras everywhere, motion sensors, the truck stops are secure. As soon as you get outside onto the road, that's when they try and jump on. They will sprint and try to jump on, particularly when you're going around one of the roundabouts inside the complex, um, which is when the, the cab is – you basically you can't see them in your mirrors getting on. Because of the, where the cab moves, and that's what's happened twice. If you're coming out the the the, the, the way that's laid out, you can either turn, get onto the autoroute route, and turn left towards Belgium or right towards the UK. Okay, if you turn left, you go, or even if you just go past the right turn, and this has happened a couple of times, they bang on the back of the cab to say, "Let me off." some of the drivers just carry on with the guy on the back he's like screw you i'm going to take you to belgium whatever yeah. um but i will stop and this is the reason why because another time it happened and it happened in broad daylight literally in front of the police there was a crs van in the complex as there always is because mm-hmm. the french have got to police this the mm-hmm. immense amount of policing time goes into this it's basically what they've been doing for 10 years the crs in that area that's what they do they they catch migrant migrants trying to get onto lorries and
2: crs are basically you riot police right or or others yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah they're heavy heavy duty police in big vans um anyway so he jumps on my truck i didn't see him it's an icy road so i'm you know having to think about not sliding the lorry around because i've got to drive you know all this mm. you know and they jump he must have jumped on virtually in front of the police then the police see him or i didn't hear it see it the police see him almost immediately and as i come around the roundabout i turn right he comes around the front of the police van comes around the front As soon as he puts a siren on this lad gets off now i'm moving so to stop me he must have had a knife on and he cut through the red airline from the trailer to the trailer from the cab to the trailer which wow. locks the brakes on and they know that they, it's been known that they will pull the red airline out when they're on there if they want the truck to stop. So he literally cut through the red airline, and I've got it. I've got a video. You should put it on Twitter or something where you can. My, I'm swearing off. F this. What's going on with my truck? I'm just stopping, and then you see this lad run, and you can hear the air hissing out of the brake line and uh i I made that story far too long but but then i had the problem the crs were there but then they had to go i had to repair the airline and there was a there was a workshop next door so what i eventually did was it was eat better rather than call someone to actually go and buy one myself and fit it myself but i'm fitting an airline with these kids boys crowding around me trying to get on my truck and this is sort of this is the problem this is What they don't, it's not a game, it's a game for the people doing it, it's not a game for the, it's not, it's not something easy to do to secure, secure the truck. I mean, what, okay, so I'm stopped in a lay-by in France or Italy or Spain and I search my truck at four o'clock in the morning in the dark in an empty, empty parking area and I find five guys with knives who don't want to be found. What happened? I'm on my own. (laughs) You know, and this is, this is the problem I've got with it is, we've all got with it, is, its why is why are truck drivers and everybody apart from mm. border force and the Royal Navy yeah. responsible for securing England's border? It's not our job, <laughs> you know? No, no,
2: no but the but sort of larger picture is always, you know, um, these sort of issues are always decided on, on a sort of um, larger political scale and you have these governments saying, you know, and you have o- o- obviously the story in the media is, you know, uh, We'll, we'll have you on and, and you tell your story, but, you know, in the media it'll always be, I mean, these people are desperate, these people, and and obviously that's true, but why are they desperate? I mean, and why are they even there in, in the first place? And it's because of these, and it's because of, of, well, laxity, one, but two, I mean, we've sort of created this sort of pull force. We've sort of told yes. everyone, you know, come here okay. and we'll take care of you and there's massive rewards if you step over this, line in the channel or you know we're sort of in the same boat so to speak in sweden we you know have to swim to get here in some sense if you're not walking across lapland and finland which you're not so you're getting here or uh, you know however you're getting here but you know once you cross this imaginary line sort of is an imaginary in a sense right you get all these sort of protections why wouldn't you well if that's the case and we all sort of agreed this is a problem, why is this a huge deal to to sort of confront? Well, it's a huge deal to confront because you have all these people who say, well, these people are washing up in the Mediterranean, that we should take care of them. And we've been saying it for 30 years. I mean, and and we've seen, and we have all these people who, and and it sort of ties into, in my view, I, I think none of us would protest this view. A lot of people with a lot of power and money say, well, why can't you let them in? You're being boorish, you're being racist, you're being, you know, ugly, white, working, whatever people. Yeah. You, sh- you should just accept that, you know, these people have had, uh, they haven't had a fair shake of it. Why shouldn't they come to and, and compete for jobs and compete for pensions and whatnot in a simply, and-, and this is a sort of, well, political situation we've been living with for 20 years. And I think it's only being sort of, I mean the, the effects are, are being especially in Sweden but uh, I mean the UK as well we sort of realise the problems now but I mean in, in a sense it's too late to change but also the narrative ne- will never change because the largest megaphones are on the side of, of, of the people who say well guys you have to have sympathy I mean it's, it is it is shocking but it, it we it, that only means we should be you know building up a, 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 either you know, grant the highway to them to skip over the Mediterranean and all over all the all the sort of you know truck stops or whatnot. Just give them straight in.
1: I I would say the full-on you know black and white racists and what I'd call immigration fundamentalists actually have a very similar view of yeah. the migrants. You know, they don't treat them as fully human. Okay, so we all know why a full-on racist won't treat someone as fully human. He thinks he's lesser. But the reason why the lefty, wokeist immigration fundamentalists don't is because they just think they're all just wonderful. They don't treat them as fallible human beings who will do bad and silly things sometimes, and some people don't do bad and silly things. Some people are deserving and some people aren't. It's a mixture. There's thousands of them, and they're different. Okay, and you, the kids, and they are kids... For the most part, who are trying to jump on trucks in Calais? Okay, are young, brave, adventurous young men who are trying to eke out a better—they are trying to eke out a better life, but they are also trying to take that better life if they can take it, which you can understand. But you need to understand that that's not a valid reason to be jumping on lorries. And that's everyone. Every, this is just go off on a tangent slightly here but there's this incredible narrative where they oh they wouldn't take the risks unless they were desperate when i was 19 years old i go out on my motorbike to take risks for fun i was i'm with these guys in calais when i'm trying to fight them off and they're young guys and they're laughing Mm. it's a joke it's a fun it's a chase it's the thrill of the chase they're young men who are enjoying the danger of jumping on the moving lorry and the plus is they can get to the other side of the channel and get free everything they're human beings of course they're going to be like that that's what young men are like you know and and, And and they are uh, coming from a different culture they are coming from a culture where perhaps life is cheaper yeah. The like their lives and their buddies' lives and the lives of the truck drivers.
2: But I mean, the, 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 but there was no, but there was no problem understanding this, Graham. When we, when you, when we were talking about, I mean, working class culture in, in England, for instance, in the seventies and eighties, and you have had a lot of problems with hooliganism in the stands, and you had okay. lager louts, and you had this sort of, I mean, those were sort of quote unquote cultural problems, right? When you had, you know, the yeah. elites sort of told people, you know well, you're not not behaving, you should behave, you should know your place, you shouldn't be doing this. And that's the sense where ideology comes into this, right? Because when you don't have sort of an an, an indigenous white working class, you can sort of be patronizing against. You have to say these people are, I mean, noble savages, to use the sort of intellectual term, right? These people are are sort of, they're, they're not really modern humans in the sense that you know they have agency that of Mm. course they're going to be you know this energetic wild uncontrollable force but you know you have really to just let it happen and and we had and that's what's sort of also i mean naive but also uh, in a sense racist because you are treating these people like like not like human beings
0: sorry to interject here but but i think apart from these aspects of how <clears throat> how you show contempt towards the concerns or the actual work situation that you described graham i think what is telling about your example here is more to the point of the how <laughs> demeritocratic the, the people making these rules are in the sense that fining the truckers mm, yes shows in a way like the incompetence of understanding the own policies, like how this could in any way make sense. I think that is that is an aspect here that is worth more. Like, I think we should address that part, like that you have, in a sense, a, a group of people who do not understand what they are governing or how they would yeah. go about implementing it. And in a way, may, maybe it's relevant for us to address like the, the distance between essentially the work that you're doing yeah. and the people enacting these policies, what they are doing. Yeah. <laughs> to put it crudely... Because, I mean, it's, right. it's more than contempt. It's idiocy as well. Yes. Well, I think is they
1: they merely take the path of least resistance, mm-hmm. okay? Or to put it very crudely, they screw who they can screw, and they won't screw mm-hmm. who they can't, okay? So they can't screw... They can't get £10,000 out of some kid who's just jumped on a lorry and rocked up on the shores and has lost his passport. There's no ID, okay, um, and there might actually be some political points for helping him, but a truck driver whose license matches his address, he's been working for years, paying taxes for years, who's fully established, easily to easy to trace. Yeah. I mean, we literally tracked by satellite, um, not necessarily by the government, but it's always time. You, you know, um, it's easy to that's who you're going to screw because you can. I think they're in such a mess that that's what they're doing. It's because. Yeah. Oh, we have to do something about this. They know. They know it's bad politically. They know it's bad politically either way. Actually, they know there's going to be all the bleeding heart Islington, Cambridge um, people who are who are going to be. Oh no, you must protect the poor little knife wielding migrants. and you're also going to piss off working people who are having to deal with it okay so they're going to piss off someone so they're going to piss off the person they can get money from that's that's my view and i know that sounds very brutal but i think they're in such a mess i think i think if you go on and watch tv shows like the thick of it have you ever seen that comedy yeah yeah i think that's how they behave i think that's i think that is very close to being true they don't have time to think and do wise things they can't manage they don't have time to manage and it's not breeding the people who want to manage. It's breeding the people who want to win the pop- popularity contests. And when they're in and when they've actually got the reins of power, they can't. They're not a rider. <laughs> it's like it's someone getting on a wild bronco and not knowing how to ride a horse. They, they, they're they like, what do we do with this? We we'll do something. What can yeah. we do? We can find truck drivers. That's what we're going to do. And that's what I think it is.
2: And, and also, it's a question of constituency, right? Because, like, yep. the media is a larger constituency than
1: than mm. truck drivers. Yes. Uh, uh, I mean, and, and, and think, the working... You'd hopefully, hopefully, you think, well, the media might be broadcasting to truck drivers, but they seem to have forgotten that. But once upon a time, and we all know this, I mean, people in the media used to
2: know truck drivers because they lived next to them. I mean, mm. uh, not everyone in the media was not upper middle class or trying to be there there were actually working people in the media i mean once upon a time and people obviously graham you're a great example of this i mean the 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 working person has sort of uh, you have to do it yourself in a sense you have to self-publish in a sense you're part of the media not being you know the mainstream one but i mean this is sort of a, one of the main problems I feel, you know, one of constituency, because the politics now are catered either to, well, mostly to, I'd say, media and the sort of narratives yeah. and 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 sort of elite interest. And, and if you're very wealthy or you're a bank, I mean, you, special regulation, it can happen for you. But yeah, I mean, yeah, if yeah. you're if you're not that sort of moneyed professional class. And, and it's interesting because i feel in sweden we have a similar situation in the sense i think i mean the uk and, and the legislation has gone so off the reservation in the sense of speech laws and whatnot i mean i'm, I'm not quali- qualified to to comment in the sense because i'm only reading the headlines
0: oh you mean you're not anglo-saxon enough
2: no uh or is sure, it normand sure.
0: enough which are you populist Surely. or aristocrat
2: which is it color i'd like to quote the uh brilliant movie uh, the gladiator which uh i'm really sad to hear i heard uh is being uh there is a sequel being made which is oh my god tells goodness. you this tells you the story of 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 modern cinema in a nutshell but we have a senator i think his name is gracchus or something he says i don't pretend to be a man of the people but i try to be a man for the people and and it's probably the best mm. one could do uh in my circumstance
0: mm. good enough for trump
2: yeah I, I, I really feel you know the the, the problem here is you no. Know, People don't care anymore. As long as you have a nice TV, nobody's banging down your door. Uh, we've had an explosion of, of violence in in Sweden now. Uh, we want mm-hmm. one of the, I mean, deadly shootings. I think we have uh, pretty much the record numbers in, in in at least Western Europe. I mean, maybe some Balkan country can can sort of measure up to us, but I'm, I'm I wouldn't be I wouldn't be sure about it. Or Honduras. Oh, I, I actually think Honduras is safer now, and El Salvador I cannot is Cannot believe I just listened
1: to Swedes. <laughs> two Swedes compare their own country to Honduras. Oh, how the world has changed. Yeah, exactly, <laughs>
2: exactly. But I mean, and, 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 and I mean, Honduras is obviously in jest in a sense, but it's it's black comedy, not real comedy, because it's mm. it's sort of true. But I think what most people said 10 years ago was, at least in Sweden, you know, oh, there will be a popular outcry. There will be some things. Politics will change. Mm. Yada, yada will happen. And we've seen nothing, nothing. Only the weakest sentiments and the sort of weakli- weakest inklings of doing anything from the from, politics and and why is this why is this it's because you know politics doesn't work for the regular
1: citizen anymore i mean it's just not calibrated for it i mean we we've had our own rebellion here with brexit it took years to happen they haven't they haven't taken advantage of it basically and they're still trying to wriggle out of it and they might do and then and this is and so it's we're now getting to the autocratic stage of this regime. I think we're mm. getting to the point where they their democracy is, they'll give it lip service, but then now they're basically going to do what they want to do. And and I, I think AA, academic agent, is right when he says the crunch will come when they need to use force. Will they have the cojones co- 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 really to start shooting british or swedish or american citizens i know that sounds extreme well maybe not in america no
0: no but... i don't think it's extreme but more to like would you say cojones like it sounds more like do you even have the grunts on your side have the what whom. sorry whom the grunts
2: does
1: whom oh will, will the police and the military pull the trigger kind of thing
0: yeah, or like if if you have logistics aspects of this as well, like do you even want like who? How do you build? Because in a way, like I I buy in, I buy most of the the critique that both you and Carla have been leveling for the past few minutes. But I mean, in a way, it's if things you want,
2: are tr- you are uh, trying to sound uh, more reasonable <laughs> than me and Graham is is is. I to <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm trying to be the centrist here. But but I'm no, I'm trying to bypass some of the they're not listening, th- their moral is bad to basically things are falling apart at the rate where it's actually more relevant to talk about what kind of alternative project can attract people who knows how to build, mend and fix stuff. Yes. Yeah, well
1: I don't know about that. Um I know what you're
0: saying. I mean, obviously, I mean, our police force
1: seem, here in the UK, this big thing has been happening in the last couple of days with uh, the arrest of this autistic girl.
2: Yeah. Can you can you unpack that for us, for us poor Swedes who, well, who don't read I, UK media?
1: I've, the, I've, I've been, the BBC has been exorcised from me. I, I've had it cast out. Um, <laughs> right. So my understanding was it was an incident in Leeds, the city of Leeds, fairly large city, uh, which is West Yorkshire police area. A family, my understanding, though, I'm very careful what I say, because I not or, or just take what I say with a pinch of salt with the fine details. But a family thought their daughter who was only 16 years old, had autism and various health problems was had gone out drinking, I don't know if she was in the city centre or nearby in whichever area it was, but they were concerned about her and they did the right thing. They called the police or someone called the police and they the police found this girl. It was a vulnerable teenager who's inebriated. She'd been drinking and they brought her home. My understanding was as they were taking this girl into the home and I don't know what she, she might have been a right pain to the police. It's quite possible, you know, a 16-year-old would drink. It was possible she said to one of the female police officers you look like my gay nana nana being grandmother this is it simple and that's what it's where it started and this uh, WPC this female police officer then said, we're going to arrest you for a hom- homophobic comment. That's fantastic. But she was only yeah, like, 16 years old. old. She was she only 16, was only 16. 16 years <laughs> old. We're only supposed to blow the bloody doors, <laughs> the doors off. <laughs> I, so you're losing me, guys. I, I, what no, Michael Caine,
2: this is the best Cockney sort of accent that's, of not, that's, not,
1: that's not Michael Caine. <laughs> well, broadsheet journalists have described my impressions are stunningly accurate.
2: Well, they're wrong.
1: I've not heard your Michael Caine, but I assume it would be something along the
2: lines of, my name's Michael Caine. That is where you are so wrong. That's and a, you can look a, at my live video that's, for that's, proof, that's, because that's,
1: I, that's the do, very thing I don't do. What, I do, say do, that he do, used to talk do, like that. Do you, Michael Caine? Okay. Right, for both of you, your Cockney licence is revoked from here on in. <laughs> <Like, you>. Sorry, <laughs> no, both hopeless, not even totally worthy of well Hollywood. Any, any more <laughs> of this, I'll treat it, treat it as a microaggression. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway so the the, the the coppers they they get cops or coppers they take her in her home and at that point she says this homophobic slur which is you look like my lesbian nana. apparently her nana was a lesbian and she' just been saying well you look like my nana I've just put a I put a a, a a poll on Twitter saying what's more insulting to be called a lesbian if you're a woman what's more insulting to be called a lesbian? and there's lesbians on the front of vogue magazine not sure the issue there or a grandmother no 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 no. the offense is that to be called a lesbian is a homophobic slur and then she was arrested she was handled very roughly by seven police officers put in a car taken to police station (laughs) interviewed and taken home again which all of that seems completely pointless there's the police are saying, and they've got statements saying there's more to it, you know, they've got body cam footage where there's other things going on, possibly. But it does, it, it, everybody's mm-hmm. saying it's, it's excessive. And then we've got a, oh, what's his name? He's, he goes on the Lotus East quite often. He's a an ex-British police officer who starts an organisation called Fair Cop when he himself oh. was targeted because of a, a bad tweet which he thought was ridiculous, and so he goes out. He's now basically got an NGO, effectively. Oh, I mean, um, goes, oh, Harry Miller. Yes, Harry Miller. Thank you very much. Yeah, of course. And and he's bas- He's 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 come out very strong against this, and is saying basically West Yorks police are behaving like a gang, and an enforcing the will. of It would the be ra- fun
0: if he said if they acted gay.
1: Well, this is the thing. How- you look like my gay nana. If you are gay. <laughs> Why is that a problem? What are they saying? I don't get it. Why, why, why is it a slur to simply point out that someone looks a lesbian if being a lesbian is okay? Mm-hmm. So, to me, I'm the asking. woman
2: police officer is homophobic. I mean, that's the only explanation that sort of makes logical sense to me.
1: Self but... <laughs> <here and> loathing. It's <laughs> here and loathing in West Yorkshire.
0: Um... <laughs> Fear and self-loathing in West Yorkshire. Fear and self-loathing in West Yorkshire. (laughs) But this is the only
2: stories we're sort of getting our UK policing sort of actually uh, quote-unquote working nowadays, you know, arresting people for tweets or slight, slight, uh, I mean, implied homophobia is the sort of standard we're going for, I guess.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't, I, I mean, I haven't had any personal interactions and I'm on Twitter I've done some occasionally spicy little things. I tried to be ambiguous, but uh, it's all things that could be seen that way. Certainly, certainly enforcement of minor crimes is it has been very bad in the last few years. I, I believe the incident with Harry Miller and the guy with the tweet of the swastika pride flag. Do you remember this, Johan? He, after he stood up to Hampshire police, mm. Hampshire police... The PCC, which is a police commission, I can't remember the exact title, but um, the the commissioner for that area said, well, basically, no, we're not going to attend any more incidents about tweets and social media posts. We're actually going to attend burglaries (laughs) and things. And a few police forces, I think. A a radical proposition. A radical (laughs) proposition, (laughs) investigating crime. Yeah, you well, know, it
2: seems um, like somebody hasn't gone where gone to university, or or rather a prestigious one, maybe. Probably should be re-educated somehow.
1: I, well, I, maybe the opposite in that it's now that the, they only recruit graduates into the police now. This is a right. whole different topic of the graduateisation right. of. Everything and I, but both, both of you guys are academics, but this whole thing whereby almost every profession now they need graduate nursing as well as another one where they mm. they feel they need to only have graduates in. So I think Elon Musk would be out because he dropped out, didn't he? So he couldn't join yeah. the British, but uh, well, he's also not British, but but you, you, this is a big disconnect with the police. Where i try, I can't, there's better people who talk about this, Morgoth. You, you heard of this guy Morgoth in the north of England he's got a YouTube channel he who, did a great who, video about- this sounds like like
0: an extra character in Tolkien's universe Morgoth oh, he is an extra character He's a character I think
1: that's his, his screen name yeah he's 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 a one of the dissident right crowd who- sorry can I make a quick comment here? Yes, in
0: a way it comes back to like your the earlier uh tangent we had about your your reading being done on like audio wise while driving a truck, is that I think this is also why it's even so hard for the graduate class to even comprehend what is happening, because these are autodidactic stories of like, or people of uh, stories about autodidactism entering into actually the same sphere of ideas. But because there is no adherence to the formal graduate system, then you can easily Combine re- reflection or, or, or experience of, of uh, what it's like meeting these migrants in your truck with yeah. while listening to a book about the Westphalian system that everything gets put together and then you see what makes sense without necessarily knowing what is right or what is wrong and then you end up with names like Morgoth and the loriest instead of like <laughs> E P P Thompson like uh, esteemed professor is going to talk about his esteemed theory. Well, I mean
1: you 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 know about the, the the theory of the overproduction of the elites and it's something Yavin as well of course is is very much uh, agreeing with. And I I want, I don't want to be rude because I know both of you are both of you are very learned but men. we don't drive a lorry, is what are you getting to? No, no no, I wasn't no, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say it's just too much. In 1999, yeah. Tony Blair decided that 50% of school leavers should go to university. Yep. Um, and it never actually quite panned out like that. I think it it's more like forty one percent as of last yep. year mm. of school leavers. But you can't have forty one percent of the population in the elite. No. Why Why are you just pumping people through academia when, for the mo- mu- the vast majority of them do, will not need it, and it will actually hold them back from doing other things? And it also, I I, I think it's a, a very it's a very cathedral way, you know this uh, yeah. idea of the cathedral. So, but but well, it's it's
2: yeah. very progressive in that sense because we, yeah. have, very, we have we have we have we the same idea in Sweden, although. I think the people in Sweden also had the sort of and and I guess new labor had the same thought you know it it also it's good for for unemployment figures shockingly Uh, people (laughs) people, but I mean but the perverse thing in in parts of the UK system but also the US system is you know uh, there is also uh, a rather significant amount of debt being endured by these uh, people you know told to go to university systems and and not being able to use their their degrees in in any sensible way and it's an I mean, the Swedish system is perverse in and in other ways, but I guess this is one where 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 the Anglo sort of version of this is even more uh, sinister in that sense. Yeah. But yes, it is true. I mean, obviously, uh, the overproduction of leads sort of has led to two people starting a podcast, uh, just to, you know, harangue their own ideas, uh, and not having any better work to do, uh, you know, uh, in the the, the evening. Now we have the privilege of having you to to, uh, here to discuss uh, issues with us.
0: (laughs) This is great, because I mean, when the counter revolution comes, we can say some of our best friends are truck drivers.
2: Yeah. That, and, and, and that is the only reason why we're doing this, surely. Uh, <laughs> because it's All not, right. you know, it's not, uh, th- that's the only sort of sensible motive we can ever have. And uh, that's why I'm telling my wife after the, we're done with this recording, but fascinating. Uh, and I find it, I mean, and it's also tied to, to that very ideology, uh, ideology sense of, of, of everything. Because I mean, uh, 12, 12 years ago, when 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 I think me and you were in the university systems, we, we sort of have an inkling where where where, where things were going, but I uh, I think none of us uh, would have ever sort of imagined sort of scale of ideology we now see in 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 the university system and and and. And the results sort of from the bottom up of, of sort of, and this is a thing we should come back to, by the way, uh, important or sort of essential jobs and the sort of bullshit jobs. Uh, I think you've referenced yeah. that book once or twice, Graham, in your in your yes, blog, yeah, which is very much sort of the, the if not high priest, then either, uh, I mean, lay priest uh, class of, of, <laughs> of, of cathedral workers, right? And, Brahmin. and, and that is fascinating. Yeah, um, yeah Brahmin is uh, a good
0: phrase as well. Sure, Brahmin yeah.
2: is a good, but yeah, but it's a case. I mean, case system is is is. <laughs> we're only one or two generations away from it, surely, uh, in the West, and and sort of sort of now we only have to sort of get get a hold of some set new set of Nuremberg laws to sort of parse out who's more Brahmin than the other one. But but surely we're mm-hmm. doing that.
0: But I wonder if it was a, sorry, Grim, Yeah, go
1: ahead. No, I was going well. Go back to what Johan saying. Um... But then you you kind of you can leave a competency gap in society of good police officers, perhaps and truck drivers. There's been a narrative about a truck driver shortage for some time now, mm-hmm. and this is something that constantly comes up. Is we can't get enough truck drivers. Every now and again, we get a headline. Oh I mean, there was there was panics in 2021 when there was there a rumor got around UK that some petrol stations weren't getting fuel because there weren't enough drivers to bring fuel to the petrol stations. Mm. Um, and um, people, there was panic buying. And of course, then that caused the problem that everybody wanted to avoid. But um, it wasn't, it was actually a bit of a storm in a teacup. But there's always these these things where, well, we don't have enough skilled labour. So you've got, on one hand, we've got, let's send 50% of the people to university in, and then let's, we don't have a plumber. We don't have people to work in restaurants. There was a shortage of people to, of waiters and waitresses. Shortage. And that's a whole other thing because in a free market there shouldn't be shortages of anyone. But but the, 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 all of this, the, all of this, this, this it is an ideology to pump free people through to university. Yes, to get them off of the job market for three years to cut unemployment. Yes, you are bre- breeding ideological drones who might vote your way. There's that aspect to it. Also, maybe a view of
2: a person, you know, the sort of blank slate idea of, of, you know, if you only have an education, you could be, you know, upper middle class. Uh, Why couldn't you? I mean, uh, uh, and uh, let's create that sort of state of mind. That's the
1: point. But but we can't all be upper middle class. No, exactly. Exactly. We need everybody in society to be doing a function and been doing something and making everything work. And it's probably better if they're happier doing it. And... Rather than creating, they're basically creating people for Graver's bullshit jobs. And yes, I I love that book. It's fantastic. And um, even though it's a little bit schadenfreude, because I know I don't have (laughs) one bullshit job there. But uh, you're getting people and putting for three years to do something they may not ever use or may actually be bad at. I've got a nice little anecdote about this. Like I used to do, I volunteer on summer festivals, music festivals. Okay. And uh, was part of the security team. Um, This is when I was in the Territorial Army. And uh, we had this young guy. He came to us and he was a volunteer, all volunteers. And uh, he had a degree in disaster management. And I was like, this is fantastic. We've got this this incredibly well-qualified young man who will be incredibly useful if we have a disaster. And it just so happened, the East Midlands, where we were, was hit by the worst summer storm for generations. And we had this campsite with thousands of teenagers in tents that were getting flooded out. We had a disaster.
2: Lucky you.
1: <laughs> well, <yeah>. Um <laughs> No, the perfect
2: laboratory for an experiment.
1: Well, yeah, <laughs> what well, if, if only if it proves this point. And the people did step up. There were there were surprising. The whole site ended up being run by an IT manager who suddenly discovered a latent ability to manage a crisis. But this young man with this degree sat in the corner of the ops room, going, "What do I do? What do I do? What do I do?" I have no idea. And it's it's just a little anecdote to, to say that it doesn't you can't teach everything just by sitting them in a classroom and killing them with PowerPoint.
0: But it's back um, to our starting point about this. I mean, amateurs talk about strategy and professionals about logistics. Well, you could talk about disaster management, I'm sure. <laughs> but I know, yes, I see what you mean. It's been doing
1: logistics. Yes, it needs to be done. and it needs to be, have people with that kind of hands-on ability, but it's been a huge wave. But, yeah. but it also harkens back to like a point. I think we've
2: been circling around a few times. That, I mean, in the in America and in, and I guess everywhere now, there's a sort of I wouldn't say nostalgia. I wouldn't say like a, a huge appraisal, of, but but there's a subculture maybe of 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 right wing culture uh, mm-hmm. that sort of very much aggrandizes and sort of uh, the the sort of handyman of 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 your and or the sort of manly man of your that could you know take mm-hmm. care of a uh, hearth and home and 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 sort of fix things if, if uh, for lack of a better word. But also, you know, uh, that goes hand in hand with the sort of romantic notion of, of of the prepper and the sort of disaster, sort of one man against the sort of coming collapse. Yes. A, a notion I find romantic and and, and sort of um, sort of disingenuous uh, in a sense, because like, uh, if the collapse comes when it comes, I mean, one man will be uh, nothing. You rather, you need a tribe but but i think i think you know the sort of traits uh perspective on this is really interesting because what we need in a sense uh and always will need is the sort of person that we're desperately trying to replace with technology. And you had this brilliant post. Uh, and I think I, 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 it was one of the best things I've ever read on the topic. Uh, because I've, I've, I've sort of been interested in a sort of doomer sense in the in sort of oncoming onslaught of, of AI and self driving cars and whatnot. And I think your post on, on self driving trucks, mm-hmm. the sort of premise of a self driving tr- truck was very thoughtful because as a person who doesn't do lorry drying for 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 work or i've sat in one once i i drove in the scania plants once and it was fr- it's uh, a I mean, scania it was-
1: plant i want to talk about that forget everything else no i just want to hear about scania sorry carry on carry no on, carry no, on. no but, on. But, but
2: really but really like but really but really you know uh the only thing you sort of know is that yeah there's a lot of sensors and you can sort of if, if I think many people saw that the, the, the Jean Claude Van Damme doing the split on, on, <laughs> on, uh, the lorries, just, just to, uh, All about that.
1: yeah, 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 yeah. just, sense.
2: just, just to sort of get everyone on board with, you know, the self sort of stabilizing, uh, uh company, uh, you know, and, and the advanced technology that goes into that. And, and, and a lot of people are myself included. I guess we've sort of seen it happening in front of our eyes, really. The sort of self driving Teslas and, and, and whatnot. And we sort of, all the, the natural step would be, you know, this self-driving uh, lorry, and you know that we sort of get away from this sort of, you know, dirty menial work of 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 yesterday. Sort of smacks of, you know, uh, the the twentieth century and almost feudalism, right? And and the sort of. Obviously, everyone should be, you know, be going to university and having, you know, a nice degree and, and waking up to an avocado toast every morning. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so, so that was a good reality check, and I sort of want to to come back to that: how much we, the fact that we will need people with actual skills for a long, long time, and and might even survive a coming collapse or two.
1: Uh, one might uh, add. Well, about the the self driving trucks. I like Peter Thiel's talk talks about this in his book about AI and they're taking jobs and how much AI is really good in where it supplements people. But people are wonderful. People are infinitely adaptable and creative and can get around things and, and, and will find particularly people who have, have got the mindset of the right people. Um, you can put them in all sorts of situations that the programmers can't envision. And when it comes to things like self-driving trucks, the question isn't so much can you get a computer to drive a truck? Yes, you can. Okay? Is it is there a good reason to take a human being out? Well, that's a very different that's a very different answer. Because there's always going to be little things that a human being is going to pick up that, that basically you'd have to recreate another human, body and mind and soul. To be able to do that. I mean, the, the, the silly examples I put in, no, well, not silly, but the, the example I put in, in that piece where what if you have you have a nail that's in a tire. You have a bit of metal. This has happened to me many times. You have a find. You, you inspect your truck. You find a piece of metal sticking out, sticking yep. out of the tire. It hasn't
0: punctured. It hasn't deflated. Any sensor wouldn't have picked it up. Essentially, problems that requires uh, some some form of human um, judgment, which a uh, system has yes. a hard time picking up on.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, mm. um, or simply can't see. So it's going to be a long time before the the. It's, all of this is part of the fact that people don't understand these jobs. Mm. They don't know actually what goes into driving a truck. They drive a car, and it's just the same. It's just bigger, you know. And that's what I think it is. So like... It's a kind of naive. It's a kind of ignorant naivety. So and, and, and
2: also, Graham, I think you mentioned also sort of wishing them away in a sense. Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, that is. Well, this is something, and it's. I, I. I don't. I'm trying to put my finger on why. People have do have quite a lot of bigotry directed to working people in their own country, even skilled working people. They kind yeah. of don't want them to be there. And sometimes I think the the whole immigration is, it, you know, what it might be a similar psychology to wanting slaves. Yeah. Okay, it's a similar kind of thing where I'm 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 part of the elite, I'm special, therefore people should be doing things for me, and I shouldn't have to think about it. Yeah. Okay, um, and I shouldn't have to regard them. I shouldn't have to regard these people. And I sometimes I think the whole immigration thing—it's—it's. It's, oh, let's get people. People, you can treat people more like zo- drones if they don't speak your language. You know, they've come from another place, which is poor. Oh, we're doing them such such a favor by giving them you know these low-paying jobs, and they're going to come and serve our coffee, and drive our trucks, and empty our bins for us. And it's a kind. It is a kind of. It's an elitist attitude, which is akin to having servants. Yeah. It's the same kind of, it's nice, it's a nice feeling if you're in charge and you have someone doing, I can imagine that, it hasn't really happened to me in my life, but, but where you waited on, you go to an expensive hotel. I went to the Philippines recently and it's just lovely. You know, someone comes, you, you, as you're checking in, a young lady very nicely dressed, smiling, comes up to you with a tray, with a glass of orange juice and you feel special because you're being served. And so we've got We've, we've got this overproduction of elites that has partly come out of this ideology of pump everyone through university who who just want a servant class who don't make any noise, aren't paid too much, out of sight and out of mind and don't vote for Brexit. That's what they want. That's how it seems to be. I don't know what you think about that. Or maybe no,
2: it's, it, uh, I think it's really interesting because I mean, we have had. I mean, Sweden has been one of the societies I think in Europe, if not the world, has been. Uh, you know, sort of uh, the sort of consensus has been that you know unions should be uh, in charge of most of sort of the standard uh, practices of, of, of uh, labor practices in, in, uh, in Sweden. And, you know, the the sort of main, uh, I guess, Teamsters Union, uh, which is obviously uh, semi-state control in the fact that they're a part of of, of the largest social democratic party here.
1: So this is a Teamsters Union in Sweden? Yes. Oh, okay. I don't know much about Sweden. And, and, and,
2: and, and the interesting fact is, you know, uh, the largest, I think, change hap- that has happened in in the last ten years is, uh, apart from you know, uh, massive illegal uh, and also uh, economic migration, is the fact that many of these people, uh, mainly from Bangladesh, which is interesting in itself, uh, have ended up. Uh, and if uh, And if I look outside my window here, we'll see a hub for uh, food transport. Uh, uh you know people uh, going everywhere with with small packages of, of uh, not only restaurant food but but you know uh basically uh groceries yeah and they had to be sort of incorporated into the main teamsters union which is interestingly perverse <laughs> because the teamsters union has obviously lobbied for their members not to be you know sort of they they, they, they would they, they wouldn't shouldn't have to uh compete with the sort of prices that migrant labor from Bangladesh can can sort of generate. Put up with uh yeah. Mm. And 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 uh, well, sort of they haven't lost the political argument, interestingly enough, but they sort of lost the technological one, which was or the app economy sort of happened and the gig economy sort of happened, and now you don't have taxi drivers in that sense anymore. You don't have, you know. That it's sort of yes, it's 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 augmented the sort of market of of logistics in Sweden, but that's the the interesting fact. Ten years ago, you couldn't get a food delivery anywhere in the middle of Stockholm in five minutes. Now you can, and and that's and that's a and that's a class issue in my in my view. I mean, people in the countryside don't have this sort of you know uh, ac- excess pool of labor just waiting to to give you a packet of food for for you know uh, uh, two pounds or something
0: because yeah, I mean in a way kind of what you're describing is a general problem of labor arbitrage it sounds like it yeah no but
2: it's it's just the fact of 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 you know uh I think we're just the extremity of Europe and, and the Western world I mean it, it's like this everywhere right now I mean there's it's not it's just a fact of of living in the Western world, that we have sort of serfs who, who don't, who're not included in a social contract.
1: I think, I think it's, I think if you've, there will be an elite and they will have a servant class that serves them. Okay. I think the problem isn't so much having a servant class. You know, um, okay. Yeah.
0: So it, this is exactly this is what I'm, so basically I want us to tran- transition now towards like, in a way, what you started out with discussing the guild. Guilds. Yeah. Guilds.
1: Skills, right? Oh, right. Well, just just to complete that thought, is that the, the, the what I'm basically saying is you have a whole cohort of people who believe they are in the elite, but they aren't, mm. and various political figures need to keep them happy, um, and that I think that's the situation we find ourselves in. It's it's not. Because we have an elite, there will be an elite, and they will will have people like me as a servant class driving their limousines, but it will only be a few percent of the, the population, not 20, 30,
0: 40%. But let's go into this, because I mean, essentially here we're shifting over to, we discussed like the problems here, but in a way, what are the possible other projects that are coming out of the, the, the issues we're seeing now with regards to sustaining the system and also the the conflicts that you are generating as part of this or like the, the existing elite is generating new conflicts as part of not understanding how to govern it at this point
1: right and yeah. you're pointing yeah.
0: now to another kind of elite or there is some sort of elite like can you flesh that out what is it you see from i guess your own preferences but also what you think is possible in in the oh. years to come
1: well obviously i i, I do subscribe to this i of the uh, the rotation of elites i think can you walk us through that? Uh, Well, as far as I know, um, I haven't read, it's, uh, it's Michelle's, isn't it? Um, But, um, so I haven't read him directly. I've read people like AA. But, but basically there will be power players. There will be a system of power and eventually, and it will rotate out. It will finish. It will end okay and it will be the people who the people who are part of that system of power will be replaced by a new system of power and i think we can actually see it in happening in real time this is my personal opinion now in where you look at what's happening with the silicon valley guys they are literally getting more muscular. You've got this amazing thing where you've got Zuckerberg and Musk are going to have a fight in the Colosseum in Rome. <laughs> and clearly that's a statement. That's They're saying something. Neither of them are going to lose. I hope Musk wins the fight. But in terms of it, if it happens, okay, they're almost putting a marker down and saying, especially in that they're both from the United States and congress and even the president of the united states are octogenarians and basically have one foot in the grave you know they're barely able to stand up and these two guys are going to fight physically fight you know that's that's a powerful statement of hello we've arrived um i that after talking all about you know the past and conservatism and looking back to what was good i'm very interested in some of the ideas that are popping out
0: of silicon valley um you basically want to see this fight is what you're saying well (laughs) i'm not saying that i mean i'm not trying to like make a joke i'm really i'm actually talking about the new focus of politics that this is becoming more like if you can offer an arena then you will have my attention and my attention is the new economy yes um
1: and uh, things like but obviously that's that's a pr thing but things like bitcoin and crypto are a real thing. In fact, in some ways, you could argue they're much more real than the fiat currencies we have now. And things, things having ha- sovereignty, is has been stretched by things moving across borders, and that's been going on for a long time. There's probably the steam engine was the first was the first, you know, technological thing that was going to be a threat to the sovereign state. I like using sovereign state rather than nation state because I can't get my head around. I mean, Britain, we've got four nations, um, we've got one state. But, but I think the sovereignty has been pushed, and this is the, this is the thesis behind uh, the, the sovereign individual and other books, by other types of sovereignty. And obviously, the sovereign individual talks about individual sovereignty. But the, the shift to cryptocurrency for some people is a shift away from national sovereignties and national currencies, has to be. Okay. I think have you heard of Balogy Srinivasan? No.
0: Is, I, okay, I have not. so
1: this, no, this is a Silicon Valley guy. He's he's a. they're all billionaires, aren't they? They're all younger than being billionaires, but never mind. Um but they but he he's an investor. You listen to these guys and they're do they wish to be rude, but they do sound somewhat autistic, but they also sound incredibly clever. You know, the way they think about it, the, the extent that they read. And, of course, Kurt, Curtis Jarvin is, is, you know, he knows these guys. He talks to them. So they're, they're getting influences from, you know, all sorts of different places. Some very interesting reads out there, very interesting people to listen to. You can listen to Mark Andreessen talk to Michael Malice earlier on, was it last year? But anyway, the Mark Andreessen of Andreessen Hor- Horowitz. Um, he has been very interesting say. So they're reading books like... The Ancient City, uh, who was that? the French writer, The Ancient City, for hmm. stages, I want to say.
0: Ah, oh, yes. Let's see now. Um, I've listened to it and I can't remember the author. Um, this is, um, yeah, I know what, which one you mean. Uh, yeah. God, what was his name? Uh, Numa uh, Denis Fustel de Colanges.
1: Yes, that's Colentius, sorry. Or you, a bouvard. You know, that's very, it could be that's awesome. a very old book, very interesting. Um, but these guys are listening to stuff like that. They're, they're listening to yeah. Bronte's pervert. How, why do you think you're know, a Colosseum? Come on. Um, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're they're And I think it's by accident. But I think all empires happen by accident. The British Empire happened by accident. We just wanted, yeah. you know, we... Um, We went out for a nice cup of tea and came back with an empire. Um, It's it's I I, and that as far as I can see, these are the only guys who are positioned to to take power. I can't see anything else. No. You know, I do buy into what AA calls a global American empire. I I think that's true. You look at WikiLeaks and it's this constant pressure from America on every country in the globe to conform. And um and I think that's under threat. I think we're part of it in Europe in different ways. I, I, maybe it's not quite all generated out of America. Of course, you listen to Curtis Yarvin, and he, he basically says it's the cathedral American base. I might say, well, yeah, there's still the same kind of thoughts coming out of Oxford and Cambridge and the British media as well. It's not totally centralised, but, um, but, but but in essence, yes. Mm. Um, and the, the only people I, – I I can't see how – They've, they can back themselves in a corner so badly with the indebtedness and with the sheer illegitimacy, increasing illegitimacy of the, of the regime. Okay, um, I mean, we've talked about the Brexit and Trump, quite clearly what's happening to Trump, who may not even have won the, wanted to win the presidency at first, um, but he's the slight possibility that he's gonna come from outside the regime and do something slightly different and they come down on him with everything they've got. And the same with Brexit. And you say this is this is not this is not a regime is confident. This is a regime that feels itself under threat. This is very dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. Cornered animals are very dangerous indeed, especially ones that are big and powerful. But what is rising up? What's the only thing that I can see that is rising up and it's pan-national? OK, it's, it's across borders. It's, it's a lot of it's online, but not only is the players that are coming out of Silicon Valley. And whether that's good or bad, I don't know. Or whether they succeed or not, I don't know. But that's what I think is happening in the world. I want to go that way. <laughs> I think that's, I, don't, I think if nothing else, that's the place of safety. Think, I don't think any of us are safe in the regime as it is. I think it's going to, as it goes right back to your point at the beginning, it's getting less and less competent. You come from a very high bar. When I mean, you talk about logistics, lo- the logistics industry does amazing things. You know, the the, the the industrial revolution and globalization have have been incredible, miraculous. You know, you can go into a shop in the U- in the middle of winter in Sweden or the UK and buy cut flowers. Mm. Yeah. You, you go back You go back even to Victorian times and say, the, the say, hey, look at my smartphone. And I'd be like, forget that. How can we go to a little town, into a supermarket, buy fruit from everywhere in the world at all points of the year? That's incredible. That yeah. We're starting from a very high place, but I think the competency is rapidly leaving it. Momentum is very powerful. The momentum we've had through through the Industrial Revolution and globalisation has been very powerful. But it's like a cannonball that's been shot out and arced through the sky. But it's always falling, even before it's got the top of the, the arc. Well, I pulled out of Pittsburgh, I rolling down that eastern seaboard. I got my diesel wound up and she's a running like I never before. There's a speed zone ahead with all right. I don't see a cop inside. Six days on the road
0: and I'm going to make it home tonight. Can I ask a specific question here? Like, do you think, do you think any of your kids might fancy taking up your trade with Loring? My point is, like, to what degree the manual workforce and those trades are hereditary anymore? Because that might speak to the point that you're raising now. Why logistics become increasingly hard? I mean, I, for one, coming from a farm. Do not have neither have the inclination or the capacity to take over a farm, and yet I have like if, if there's one thing that has become apparent over time is that if you cannot formulate a defense for farmers, then there will be like problems with regards to not just the sovereignty, but actually just getting yes, through. Yeah, exactly, it, it like yeah. implodes, and it, and it might not even appear. It it doesn't even have to do with any devious like neglect or I mean, it is neglect of course, but like it's yes. it's simply not taken into consideration.
1: Yeah, sorry. I, I rather went off on one then and you asked about guilds earlier on and I kind of <laughs> went and did a whole polemic about something you didn't ask. Um but the oh okay yes we're always going to need these things. And to go back to the preppers, right? We can't go back to small scale farming or hunter gathering. We don't have the land. Okay, with the, the population is too high. The, there would have to be massive amounts of death. Basically, the population would have to shrink dramatically for that to even work. So we ask, we do have this system of large-scale farming, of large-scale logistics, of manufacture. Um, we get going unless an absolute disaster, and then all bets are off. Um, I mean, stock up in ammunition and gold coins, and that's about it. Um, and um, so. And we're going, to, and all these things aren't going to go away. You know, if the system breaks down tomorrow, up at the depot, the trucks are still going to be there, and at the warehouses, the food's going to be in the warehouses, and the crops are not going to stop growing. Okay, so there's going to be, have to be a way that that makes those things work. And I think when, it, when as things get more disastrous, things will decentralize quite fast, but they would decentralize around common interests, and one common interest is work. And you say we've had this system of this capitalist system, this post, you know, this industrial and post-industrial system. Um, uh, but what came before that? And so this is what I'm like. You've, you've got you've got kind of things that push against that. Which, are, for example, unions, or you could have government regulation that helps out working people. It used to happen, believe it or not. And um, but before all of that, you had these guilds. And Mm. so I was thinking about all of this, and thinking, hold on a second, that's really interesting, because Mm. now we've got the internet, we've got cross-border connection to people whose common interest is our work. I've talked to my friend Gordy in in the United States, who's also a Substacker, who did a really good sub does some really good articles recently. You know, the friend I talked about before, the the truck drivers had things in common. If I go all over Europe, I talk to other truck drivers. There's, there's a camaraderie because of our job. So that's an interest group that's a community and that and, and now we've got because of our, online that can be very broad indeed i'm part of a romanian truck drivers group it's called colleague problem and it's hilarious because it's mainly people just hurting themselves but never mind um but the so you've got these international global interest groups that are parochial to the job but not to the nation necessarily, but although that still exists, and this is where you get to kind of overlapping interest groups. So could there then be overlapping sovereignties? And that's kind of where I'm going, or maybe that's as far as I've got now. But I I, I can see, and also if you're going to have a new polity and it's going to go, we've, we're going to gain power through meeting some of what people need, or at least, yeah, meeting what people need, and and if and if we can find some other organisation some other sovereignty perhaps who we we could use in that okay we're going to get into stuff to the shops and we've got these people who are calling themselves a guild of truck drivers okay let's connect with them and they're going to handle all of that the regulation they're going to handle the the training um and they're going to they're going to make it better for people they're not a union they're not a business they're not a they're not a government department okay and and as jarvin talks about you've got this idea where a sovereign is going to want to make the people better he's going to want to build his human capital but that can happen within a guild which mm. is not a geographic entity mm. it's a it's a work based entity does that make sense
0: yeah i mean you so- that's kind of what I'm thinking about. You're describing a new kind of like Patreon client system based on different trades. It's I'm thinking, Kalle, maybe we should like together with Graham build up like a new Hanseatic League uh, <laughs> with laureates and like. I don't know, we can maybe reintroduce Germany to different towns in Sweden. You just scrap this whole Gustavosa thing we've been doing for 500 years or something. Mm-hmm. Um, First
2: of all, we should just scrap Germany. I, I think that's the, <laughs> that's the way to start yeah. everything. I think, uh, I mean, I, I love the Peter Hitchens phrase. I think he says... Uh, uh, the EU is just the continuation of Germany by other means, uh, I think is okay. right in that sense. Uh, I also had a, a, a Greek sort of uh, colleague of mine who said, uh, I mean, she, she she said half jokingly when she realized I wasn't sort of a conformist Swede, if you will, uh, that, you know, Germany uh, like my family's, as in back in Greece. I mean, uh, Germany should be bombed every fifty years just to, to you know, like mowing the grass. Basically, uh, I, I tend to agree, and it's not because of bloodlust either. I, uh, it's it's just like practical because they they tend to li- like regimes change. Germany uh, tends to be cyclical in, in its will to destroy uh, European civilization.
0: But coming back to Graham's point, I mean, Germany in this case becomes more of like the rooted national entity as opposed to a trade base with guilds providing like care for its members. I think, I think might,
1: the, so you so so sorry, can I yeah, yeah I did, of course. so you could you could keep Germany or it might divide up into Saxony or Bavaria or whatever what have you. Yeah. But either yeah. in either example they they can be looking to the guild to be sovereign over that part of the thing. So for the for the for the trucking in this case okay Bavaria is going to go the king of Bavaria that was that just sounds so good um is going to go to the 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 king or the head of the guild and saying okay we need trucks we've got farms and there's going to be a farmer's guild so it's it's not like you have to divide Germany up or it's not like you have to keep Germany together for this to work but like I say, it's very early stage to talk about it working but it's at least it's an idea it's it's going somewhere one thing that and the, the book is called the Network State. One thing that Balaji Srinivasan, have to be careful with that, um, talks about is land last. You build your group first, mm. and some of the stuff in there I'm not so sure about. We can talk about that another time. But but the but his point of view is you. That's not how peoples form. They don't form by drawing borders. They form, mm. and then that eventually that will mean property. That will mean. Uh, in a literal sense, a country, mm-hmm. okay, and so it's, it's a very Silicon Valley type of book. He's a very Silicon Valley type of guy, okay. But his whole conceptions of whole, whole all of his thoughts about sovereignty and nations and countries is, is fascinating. Um, mm. I'm no, I'm, I'm
2: very much a believer uh, in that sort of future. For the very sense that I'm seeing it sort of before my eyes, because I mean, I I think Sweden has been one of the, again, more centralized systems and sort of what the sort of state has you know uh, sort of had has been relied on and the sort of social contract has been relied on by most citizens and you see the breakdown in 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 that now when the sort of basic services cannot longer such as policing such as health care etc cetera, etc yeah. but it's really interesting to see that you know what's sort of supplanting this is really family networks uh, and especially uh, and, and and sadly in the case of of criminality, it's it's where this is more, most prevalent, obviously, because it's the most ancient form of organizing anything. Right? It's 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 happened with migrants in in every country, yeah. and and when Swedish, Swedish, the Swedish national, the state is isn't you know policing or or, or has a sort of uh, monopoly of violence that it used to have. These sort of networks happened, yeah. but it's yeah. also happening in a sort of law abiding sense of of uh, you know if if you know a tradesperson, if you know a doctor, if you know this, if you know that. And it's very sort of late, in that sense, late Soviet- where, where you see these stories of, 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 you know, people trying to scramble their personal networks to, to, to get sort of scraps of privileges from the collapsing system. I think it's very much on display in Sweden. If you don't have a ton of money when you can buy everything for, but I'm, and mostly abroad,
0: but I'm thinking also since you made reference to the Soviet Union and its collapse, like I think it's, I think you made mention this in some post, Graham, that you, we're approaching a position similar to. How in the Soviet Union you would say they pretend to pay us and we pretend to work, <laughs> that like yeah. they pretend to I, I don't know exactly what would be the equivalent here but like they pretend to be de- Democrats or represent us and we represent to we pretend to adhere to their morals I don't know I don't know what would be the, the yeah. corollary here but but what I think is is interesting in this regard is that it comes back to in a way. It bypasses an ideological conversation to come back to what works, like logistics will always be needed. And what I I find compelling about how you describe something new being formed here is that it's sort of kind going to hate me. But original Marxism is in the sense that it's very like modes of production oriented, like people will need logistics. So if you can organize around that principle, then sovereignty will eventually emerge and a new language will emerge around that.
2: No, but it's not originally Marxist because, I mean, uh, Marx's whole thing was, you know, to divide people into capitalists and the people who actually, you know, sort of get exploited, the working classes. So it's it's really not a, a Marxist point of view at all. It's sort of the late Marxist sort of idea that you sort of adhere to. That is really, you know, uh, going back to sort of material basis, but that's not Marxist in my view.
0: No, but the reason why, okay, but you just keep push back here, Keller. The reason why I would call it Marxist is because you try to formulate. No, the reason you call from-
2: it Marxist is because you'd call anything you'd like Marxist, dear one. Uh, it's it's really
1: that is easy. Sorry, no, no, but <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the slander you're my right point the is... fight about Marxism between you two is that what's happening? <laughs> okay, we're gonna definitely cut
0: this shit out. <laughs> uh, no, my point is that you're trying to formulate a new elite, you're trying to say like, this is around which a new elite can be formed, which is not parasitic, which is not clerotic, which is not least like falling off the chair and dying, but which can go into an arena and fight. That, that's my my point here that the society yeah sorry i think
1: i think things events will take over and it'll become more organic when you know if you you're talking about at the elite level at the global elite level that's where i see the silicon valley goes um but that leaves many gaps below it for stuff that still needs to be done and this is this is this is my proto idea it's not fully formed and, and maybe i shouldn't talk about it Anyway, but of of having a kind of well, it's a guild. It's 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 it has a kind of sovereignty within an occupation, and it's a in 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 a, in a Yavin sense is a monarchical. It's then maybe that's the answer. What are my kids going to do? They're going to inherit my trucker's guild. Um, but it's a it's a kind of long term thing that's going to be interested in the long term welfare and human capital. I think it's a great phrase. Of the people within it, as opposed to a, a business which is looking to maximise the gain from the people before the next report and the counts. Mm-hmm. So, so, and and how that did. in I have to be careful here because I think you guys learn a lot more than I do about, especially about Marxism. But, but it seems to me that that would be better. It would retain more price signals. I think that's yeah. the problem with Marxism: is you lose right. the price signals. So it seems mm. to me, from my limited understanding, that's absolute killer for Marxism. That was the killer for Marxism: is you lost the price signals. You know, you also built this in- sclerotic mm. bureaucracy that leads to Ch- Ch- Chernobyl. And interestingly enough, I think in hi- history, when history is written about this, COVID will be seen as this regime's Chernobyl. But that's another thing.
0: Mm. I think it's a fair anal- analogy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But so. The guild, the guild, the thought about this guild is you would still, it would be, it would be, it would be actually constraining the market in some ways. Uh, You know about game theory. You know about the ice cream stand game theory thing. Okay, so if you have a beach, say the beach is 120 meters long, okay, and you've got two guys who want to run ice cream stands on the beach. Well, logically, you want one every 40 metres. Yeah. Okay, so that all of the people on the beach will they've got equal access to the ice cream stand. But what will happen is they both end up end up in exactly the same place opposite each other. And the reason why is because one goes out to forty meters and the other guy goes, I know what, I'm gonna move mine to fifty meters you know, I'm going to have a bigger catchment area, then the next guy is going to go, oh, well, I'm going to move mine to 50 metres and eventually they end up in the same place. You, most towns, all of the car dealerships are in the same area. You ever seen that? You ever noticed yeah. that? Why well, you always, almost always, you find a McDonald's and the Burger King next to each other.
2: And the road,
1: and There won't be any food. Yeah, and it's the same thing. That's, that's, that's the game theory thing. That's what leads to that. And I've spent so much time explaining that, I've lost the plot of what I was trying to say.
0: No, but you were on to, no, sorry, Cole. Yeah. Mm. I know how, how guilds is basically
2: negating that sort of premise. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, but the g- guild, in, a, in in
1: my vision of this, and it's all it is at the moment, is a vision. Um, the guild is is controlling the market a little better. He's not letting those inefficiencies get into the market because he wants to build the entire market. The guild, yeah. the guild's looking 40, 50. 60 years out and if he's a guild of ice cream vendors he's going to go guys no sorry you're going to lose your guild license you know if you both end up in the same plot because that's not good for all of us so it's not marxism and it's not full-on game theoretic capitalism you know it's oh it sounds dreadful if i say somewhere between the two but it's kind of not like either and this is how the guilds. i think johan you're a historian so you should but hopefully, you know a lot more about this than me. Um, but it's it's um, it's well, so that's what happened in the guilds before the Industrial Revolution, and they they would do social things. They would they would give people burials. They would help with healthcare. So they would be doing social because again, they want to build the social capital. They want to build the community. But they would also say, and this is what AA talks about in one of his videos about you know they would be saying. Okay, you're going to have all these blacksmiths. Okay, they're part of the guild, but only one per village. You're not going to have a village over there with no blacksmiths and a village over here with fifty. You know, we're, we're not. You're not going to get your guild license if you all go in the same place. Sorry, mm. um, and also the guilds would it would be hereditary, so someone's guild license. For want of a better term, would be passed on to their children, which is mm. actually it's actually one of the things people never talk about in our society is is how how there's no continuity, there's no stability. You know, maybe pe- yeah. people aren't having kids, and there's this this you know birth rate crisis. They're not having kids because they don't know what their kids are going to do. They're going to go to university and come out and do a bullshit job that they hate. Well, what? what well, if you if you know as a historian. You're in the historians. Well, kind of academia, you've got the, you in, in some professions, you kind of got this anyway because you've got, um, in the professions, you've got in uh, trade, bo- what would you call them? Yeah, kind of trade institutions, like for lawyers and for accountants and so on. So you still exist in some places. Yeah. Um, but if, if you know that if you have a child, at least one of those children is going to be able to take up your profession, you know, and it, it as a right, Okay, that's going to encourage you to have more kids, surely. And this is a big problem. This is actually one of the biggest problems we're going to face. All of these things we're talking about, we're going to get to 10 years' time where I'm going to be pretty old. And and the only thing people are bothered about is there's not enough people. Mm-hmm. The birth rates are plummaging so much all over the world. Countries like Thailand, they're not having enough kids. But anyway, that's, that's where I see... An idea of a guild fitting with price signals, which I do think are very very important. No, but uh, just to, just to, to okay,
2: yes, but just a f- final point. I I I think you know let's start off with I, I think uh, demographics is sort of a good place to to end on in a sense because I, I believe this is where I mean uh, a key thing where why we will end up in a sort of scarcity or post-globalist sort of uh, world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, China peaked with the population, I think, three years ago, two years ago, in the middle of COVID, they'd had mm. the, the, the population peak, You now it's going down, down, down. Uh, today, the, basically, they're, they're in a recession. They're talking about, you know, uh, major shocks to their system, which is, by the way, our system, because we're linked with them in every possible way uh and and when that sort of when china goes in a sense and, and it's, it's only a question of time because with that sort of country you can't change the sort of uh trajectory of, of the colossus of the you know it's the titanic uh, iceberg analogy and, and probably trying to wear off course even a slight uh a few degrees will sort of only co- cause more harm but uh, why i believe the sort of theory of of sort of a neo-feudal sort of future uh, that sort of, uh, it's implicit in the thinking of guilds in a sense, Mm -hmm. or sort of the power vertical view of patron-client relationships and whatnot, which is sort of feudal, is that it sort of gives also meaning in that sense. You still have guilds in in, Mm -hmm. in some countries in Europe, and especially in southern parts. You have them in in Spain, you have them in Italy, and they've been seen as reactionary and very backward-looking, and and I think the Spanish wins are mostly you know, social clubs or religious organizations, but still they're very much the 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 core of, of a lot of, of social circles. And this is sort of, I believe anyway, what a large part of the sort of Protestant West is is really missing, or the non-Latin West is very much missing, because it's very atomized and it's very depressed and it's very susceptible to, I mean, delusions coming from either the right or the left, let's just put it that way. And and I think really uh, any sort of solution has to be a social one. And it has to be where we started out really, a a sort of tribal one, but tribal in the sense of family and tribal in the sense of community and tribal in the sense of really having something to fight for, I mean, politically or, or, or physically. If we're going down that path, which I think is really it's not inevitable, but it's very it's it's very possible. That's the sort of basis you'd have to build anything on. Uh however the, the sort of state above that looks like.
0: Yeah. I think that's um I mean great no, I, I didn't I think that's Graham. Do you want to respond to that or
1: no, just thinking about it. Um I
0: think about tribes and
1: communities i think we is in a very ironic way considering all the talk about gender we tend to think in a very binary way um in a, i am this na- nationality not this nationality i am from this nation not this nation i'm from this group or not that group politically it's insane um i left or right there's, there's appears to be your only options uh, left right or maybe a center you can't be tangent off at a tangent somewhere and you can't have an overlap with different interest groups and um so where am i going with this again this is this is taps into the thought about the guild it taps into what of srinivasan is talking about of having these interest groups where people can be in different ones i'm an englishman i'm a truck driver There's are two interest groups i have a lot in common with an in, a truck driver in romania and the united states and i have a lot in common with other englishmen as englishmen they're both true it doesn't have to be either or and I, I think we could go in that kind of directions where people are part of different things they're not just Swedish or mm. English or British so um again again it, that kind of thing becomes easy to think about when you're British and it's divided up anyway um yeah. uh, and th- that's my that's where my thinking is going you see what I'm saying that yeah, it, yeah. It, we won't have these kind of binary we won't have these binary citizenships perhaps that's what that's way I of putting it
2: and, Makes sense. and it sort of opens up something else than the sort of because the modernity has been Westphalian in that sense right you've yeah. had that sort of unitary state or i mean even yeah. even in even in the uk you have sort of a, 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 a you know uh it, it's an ironical twist obviously but you still have that sort of modern government of 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 you, you don't get, drive to wales and suddenly you're, you you change lanes because you're driving on the other side of the road right you still have the common law system you still have you know uh very much similarities and uh, and yes. because of a la- lack of a people, that's sort of crack click now. We we see really much cracks in that system that sort of seems irreversible. So I think it's an interesting, very interesting pick.
0: I, I, I think, in a way, Kalle, you summarized it pretty well also on my end. So I think, f- for me, I think it's we can definitely end on that note.
1: With you two starting a Hanseatic, leaving me starting a guild, is that what's...
0: Yes, <laughs> yes.
2: Okay, we'll do that no, then. That's easy. I- <laughs> and we get rid of the Germans and, and everything will be fine.
1: <laughs> that hasn't that been the history for the last hundred years. Please let us get rid of the Germans and everything. I, then, I, I think,
2: um, I think more than that, to be honest. Uh, I couldn't, I like, Germans. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, on that note, thank you very much, Graham. Oh, no, thank
1: you guys, Great good fun. for us. If not for you, it's fine. (laughs) It's it's great. It's been. It's. It's always good to talk to people when you, especially if you've got some strange ideas. Thanks for you you guys. Thanks for giving me the time. You know, I appreciate um, that you really know what you're talking about. I'd like to hear some more history about the guilds of the medieval ages because, uh, despite having the idea, I'm still. I still can't seem to find much about them.
0: You know, you know you can expect so,
1: sorry space. to sorry to yeah. sorry
2: to harken upon my one of my pet sort of hobby horses here, but I I just read a, a it's five hundred years since the since the Reformation in Sweden uh, I think this year uh, or yeah or last year can't remember but anyway I, there's an interesting anthology book I just read about Swedish history five hundred years ago and one of the major things that's really different is that we really got rid of all the guild systems and all the sort of okay. Religious associations that were sort of linked to the trades, and even though sort of you know uh, guilds sort of existed in in the sort of feudal sense uh, for a couple of hundred years, I mean they weren't imbued with the sense of community uh, that they were before, and I th- I think that's really interesting because you've had in in the UK you've had sort of uh, inklings of sort of guild labor. Uh, there's also like people talking on the left. Of of sort of labor socialism and guild socialism and that sort of uh, uh, that those sort of ideas which are basically pre-industrial uh, yeah. and it's very interesting because you have a different set of sort of well you don't you you're not operating on sort of the modern assumption of 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 catering to you know getting power or handouts from a state you're doing it for yourselves really which is yeah, really yeah. It, it, it's really archaic, argument. but it's also radical in the modern sense, right? Which is I think what it's what also, you're talking about.
0: I agree with you, Carlos it's, it's radical, perhaps also in the sense that you have come back from a uh, a class project to something that at least came from what is a caste society, uh, in the sense that guilds, more like there are the carpenters or uh, the yeah. truckers um, or the brick uh, bricklayers. Um, and I mean, there are ex- explanations, of course, why a capitalist mode of production would do away with the hereditary aspects, because in a way, it's, it's more efficient in the short term, in terms of like creating actors that can provide more profit and revenue. Um, but what the cost system offer, which this system has had an increasingly hard time creating, is not perhaps profit, but purpose and meaning. Mm. Um, and whether or not that would be a, a a uh, uh, guild system 2.0 um, obviously is yet to be seen but the question of purpose remains standing in a way is what I hear from yeah. your it's that's one of my takeaways from you you gazing off in the distance on this uh, road that you're driving and I sure hope Graham that you don't stay in the middle of the road because that's really dangerous coming forward like a ton full truck and you're in the <laughs> middle of the road you're like getting rid of both left and right wing players it's absolutely centrist crazy Radicalism. Hmm.
1: And it's which side of the channel I'm on, doesn't it? Um,
0: yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Graham, uh,
0: thank you for yep. joining us.
1: <laughs> hey, guys, thank you. Thank you. Great fun. He's down, down, it up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm east up, Watch on bandit run. Old Smokey's got them ears on. He's hot on your trail,
2: and he ain't gonna rest till you're in jail. So you got to dodge him, you got to duck him, you gotta keep that diesel truckin'. Just put that hammer down and give it hell. He's bound it down, load it up and truckin'. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long
1: short time to get there. I'm East do Watch a bandit run.